Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman. I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. All right, today we are covering uh, the grim darkness of the Warhammer 40,000 Commander decks. We have four decks to talk about. We're going to be talking about each deck individually, so we'll talk about all the commanders and all the main deck cards for a particular deck before moving on to the next one. Uh, so we're going to start with Tyranid Swarm, get into the Ruinous Powers, then Necron Dynasty, and Forces of the Imperium. So a lot of cards to get through. There were 160-ish new cards across the four decks. Uh, we're not going to talk about all of them, because some of them are just like French vanilla creatures, probably not going to be Commander All-Stars, but still a lot of really relevant cards. I was surprised by the quality of these decks the quality of the new cards um but i i don't want to belabor the point too much and make this too long of an intro uh <laughs> before we jump in i want to briefly talk about our patreon if you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as one dollar a month one of those benefits being ad free episodes if you aren't ready to be a patron yet you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts all right with that Let's jump in. Start with Tyranid Swarm. Uh, what is the first of the Tyranid Swarm commanders we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so this first one is a monocolor one. It is called the Red Terror. Uh, it is a 4-3 Tyranid for 4 mana, 3 and a red. And it has uh, all these have like flavor text abilities. Um, so I will be reading that off because it's great and awesome. Uh, so the flavor text ability for the Red Terror is Advanced Species says whenever a red source you control would deal damage to one or more permanents and or players put a plus one plus one counter on the red terror so uh th- that is every instant so if you pyroclasm you get one counter if you uh ping something you get one counter so just keep that in mind as we keep talking about it you know <laughs> uh so one thing to note i think like one of the better pieces of tech is like i kind of like ion storm um Ion Storm is two and a red for enchantment. Pay one and a red, remove a plus plus one counter or a charge counter from a permanent you control. To, and Ion Storm deals two damage to any target. So that's kind of like a, a self-feeding uh, synergy there. Like the Red Terror will get counters. You spend those counters to ping stuff. You get more counters on the Red Terror. It's great. Uh, another thing that works really well is Pyrohemia. So Pyrohemia is two red red for an enchantment uh as if at any point there are no creatures at the beginning of the add step you sacrifice it and then you can pay red to deal one damage to each creature in each player so because each damage you deal is going to add a counter to the red terror like it will never be able to die to your pyrohemia its toughness will always increase at the same rate that the damage is being dealt um oh and i forgot to mention this because we were really jumping right into things but uh, huge thanks to Alex White Clay for contributing to the show notes. Uh, you'll hear a lot of his analysis as we go through this this episode today. Um, but uh, other things that work well with the Red Terror, um, just like kind of group slug effects, like Zozu the Punisher, Spell Shock, uh, all will. Uh, I guess like maybe Pyrostatic Pillar. Uh, Really, it seems like a, a pretty good group slug commander because as you're doing this group damage, the red terror is just going to get bigger and bigger. Um, the main downside is that the red terror like 
doesn't naturally have evasion. So you are going to have to like kind of solve that problem, but it, it could be a fun direction for a deck. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on the red terror? No, it's, it's going to be huge. So like flinging it is never going to be bad. Like it's going to be huge, like, like gigantic. So if you are able to control the board pretty well, like with this pyrohemian stuff like that, you can like get in there pretty easily. Um, but yeah, pretty much everything you said, I think is pretty spot on. It's pretty easy to give it trample and red, and it's pretty hard to give it other forms of evasion. So, mm-hmm. um, that's probably where I'd end up looking And it. Trample's probably good enough because it's just going to be gigantic. So yeah, an interesting deck. Um, and I think we can get on to the next monocolored Tyranid. Um, do you want to read this one off? Sure. This is old one eye. It is five and a green for a six, six legendary creature Tyranid with trample other creatures you control have trample. When Old One-Eye enters the battlefield, create a 5-5 green Tyranid creature token. And it has fast healing, which means at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may discard two cards. If you do, return Old One-Eye from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, so it's beefy, it tramples, it comes with a friend, and you can recur it, although it's kind of like a, a steep cost there. Um, what do you think about old one eye and, and like what would you put in an old one eye deck? I mean, I think some of the things I would put in immediately are like all of the decent populate stuff because getting a bunch of five fives is like pretty crazy. Um, I would also put in anything that can flicker, which is not many things in green, but you do get your like conjurer's closet and stuff like that, um, which kind of helps just get five fives. Um, free five fives turns out are um, pretty good if you can just get a bunch of them for no effort. So that's where I would look. This is uh, those are the two easiest ways to kind of do that. There's some other tech that has to do with power too. Is you you have like a six power six six, and you're gonna have a bunch of five fives. So um, like shamanic ritual is gonna do a lot for you in a deck like mm-hmm. this. Not you're gonna get the life and the cards, um, and then. There's uh, some other just like really big creatures in these colors that get trampled if you're going to try and build around that. So um, uh, Alex Whiteclay, who helped with the show, has a Serac Dragon Claw list, and I'm, I'm pretty sure just has these memorized <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but um, there are some really, really big creatures that just want to hit really hard, but like don't really have any form of evasion. So when you give them trample, it's they get a lot better. So that's like Multani, Mara Sorcerer. Uh, Copperhoof Vorak, uh, which is hilarious to me because it gets it gets huge and you just can't <laughs> you can't get in there. <laughs> and then Mossbridge Troll, if you can like tap your five fives to give Mossbridge Troll like p- plus twenty plus twenty or whatever it is, like that is a pretty good like power to like conversion ratio. So like just hitting somebody for forty five with a trampling Mossbridge Troll that doesn't die too good is a uh, pretty funny. So those those are some things you can do with the trample aspect of the card. Um is there anything else you you kind of want to mention about this guy? Uh not really. I think we can move on. You mentioned like power based card draw, right? Like Rich Cards yeah. expertise. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, I did not, but that is definitely <laughs> true. Sure. You can you can all the Souls Majesties, Rich Cards expertise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they're Tyranids, so the um What's the Garrick one that doesn't like humans? Oh, Return to the Wild Speaker. Yeah, yeah that, that all, works that all works. Yeah, you're you're all good here. So, 
very good. Uh, turns out Mono Green still pretty good. So, uh, do you want to get into the the first two color commander? Yes. Uh, so this is Death Leaper Terror Weapon. Two red green for a three three legendary creature Tyranid. It has flash and haste, and it has flesh hooks. Creatures you control that entered the battlefield this turn have double strike. Uh, so clearly, the way to play with this guy is like you want a lot of hasty creatures so you can swing in and and you know deal double damage. Um, also, like you could just run haste granters. So there's a lot of things like hammer of perforos, fervor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and just like run creatures with saboteur effects. So there's some some decent ones like that in this color identity. You could run uh, like there's some you know green creatures that draw cards when they hit you, or red creatures that I don't know blow up artifacts when they hit you. There's lots of options there. Um, so that could be a direction for the deck. Uh, you m- might want to think about like. Uh, couple of the green effects that can bounce creatures so like team or saber tooth um just to give your guys double strike again when when needed let's see it's kind of the the main thing you do with this guy i really wish that there were more options for like blinking and bouncing in this color identity mm-hmm. but mm, not super easy to make that happen yeah so and it's funny so like there are some main deck cards that i i don't know if we're going to talk about all of them but this this deck does play nice with that there's some nice hasty guys and or combat damage guys that come in the deck as well so if you're playing this right out of the box uh you will uh you'll have some fun things to do with your cool death leaper so that's interesting so i'm not going to mention those now oh and if we talk about them i'll bring it up later but do you want to get into the next card Sure. Uh, so our next commander is Gerson Starn Keeler Morph. It is one blue red for a three two legendary creature Tyranid Human. It has Ward two, and it has three auto stubs. Whenever another source you control deals exactly one damage to a permanent or player, Gerson Starn Keeler Morph deals two damage to that permanent or player. So we've got a, a sample list in the episode description if you want to check that out, um, but some there are just a lot of things that work really well with this uh one thing to note is uh there's a couple like auras you can toss on gearson that work really well like curiosity uh if you have something that deals one damage to each opponent gearson star is going to deal extra damage to that opponent and then your curious or like those opponents and then uh curiosity is going to trigger you know once for each opponent you have uh, same with Ophidian Eye. Um, Sigil of Sleep is another one that works really well. It uh, has whenever enchanted creature deals damage to a player, return target creature that player controls to its owner's hand. So if your Gearson is dealing one to, or two to each opponent, uh, then you get to bounce one creature for each opponent. Um, I, but I think like a big part of this deck is just like trying to sort of burn your opponents out. Like Gearson kind of acting like a cheaper Torbran with a broader color identity uh seems pretty strong um yes you can there there's a lot of things out there like uh i mean there's plenty that deal damage directly to opponents like um thermo alchemist or spear spewer um nettle drone etc etc there's also like you can get like effects that deal one damage to opposing creatures at a pretty good rate uh like scalding salamander is one uh, that's two and a red for a two one salamander 
and when it attacks, uh, you it deals one damage to each creature without flying, defending player controls. So when you have Kirsten out, that's three damage to each creature that player controls, and that'll mop up a lot of the that'll mop up a lot of little dorks. Um, so a couple things like that. Uh, other things that are good at generating lots of triggers, like Hell Rider, will just burn the hell out of your opponents. Um, Mana Barbs is incredible, as is Burning Earth. Uh, so Mana Barbs is three and a red for enchantment. Whenever a player taps a land for mana, Mana Barbs deals one damage to that player. So with Gearson out, it's you're getting bolted every time you tap a land. Uh, Burning Earth is much the same. It just only triggers off of non-basic lands being tapped for mana. Uh, but still, like incredible damage output uh, off of these cards. So I, I think this deck is going to be like really effective at whittling down your opponent's life totals pretty quickly. Um, and also, unless your opponent is like playing Doran or, or some other deck where toughness is a big deal, uh, I think it's just going to be really easy to burn out your opponent's creatures when you're dealing three damage a hit at like a really aggressive rate. Yeah, it's pretty. So, I mean, we've talked about on the show before how like it's a lot easier to do something like 40 times than it is to just attack everyone for 120 damage or whatever Mm -hmm. um this deck does that very well because like you don't even need to do something 40 times it's like the perforos effect you just need to do it like what like 12 15 times 13 13 times times. yeah Yeah. (laughs) so um if you can get things down if you like make a bunch of one ones with young pyromancer or something then those one ones can do other things like if you yeah. have your um devils are really fun in this deck like yeah you know, they'll deal three when they hit something and then another three when they shoot them it's yeah great. things like like burning earth and whatever deal one to each player so that's what they get like 13 lands to tap before they're dead so mm-hmm. you know stuff like that so th- this deck is very very good at that where it seems like pretty innocuous on the surface if you if you aren't like familiar with the the tech and how quickly this kind of stuff adds up but is very strong so really cool really cool uh red blue commander and uh i I love that the effect is just like he can hit things three he's got three arms he's got three guns (laughs) he can (laughs) shoot things three times um so next is one of the face commanders it is uh oh it's not the face commander it's one of the the three color commanders um but this is magus lucia kane and Magus Lucia Kane is a human Tyranid wizard. Uh, they are a 1 1 for 4 mana, 1 green, blue, red. They have spiritual leader. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on target creature. And psychic stimulus. Tap add 2 colorless when you next cast a spell with X in its mana cost or activate an ability with an X in its activation cost this turn. Copy that spell or ability, you may choose new targets for the copy, and reminder text, a copy of a permanent spell becomes a token. So, um, there's, I mean, we we haven't really gotten into the main deck cards for this deck yet, but the Tyranid theme is like X spells and plus one plus one counters is like a big part of it. Uh, One of their mechanics that they have is called Ravenous, which is, uh, it's an X spell, so X spells with Ravenous, and if you X is five or more, you draw a card when it enters. But um, that's kind of what this is playing into. It's a three-color expels list, uh, and it also just puts counters on stuff. 
in general with that spiritual leader ability. So, um, yeah, how do you feel about this? What's going on with uh, with the Magus here? Uh, so, well, all it, it has a lot of combo potential. Like, um, there are some spells that if you can do them twice, you probably just win. Uh, I'll, I'll point out one that was uh, I first saw it mentioned by Alex Eden. Uh, so you, if you cast a finale of devastation or a court of calling for X equals three, um, you can. So so you're gonna have like two finales or two chords uh, on the stack. If when the first one resolves, you get a dual caster mage. Dual caster mage when it enters the battlefield copies the finale. So you, you now have two finales again and a dual caster on the battlefield. Uh, then when the next one resolves, you get Dockside Extortionist. And then when the last one resolves, you get Spellseeker. And when Spellseeker enters the battlefield, you can search your library for a spell with or a incident or sorcery spell with mana value two or less. So Spellseeker gets Neoform. Uh, you cast Neoform, sacrificing the dual caster mage, and get Team or Sabretooth. And then you use your treasures from Dockside Extortionist. Uh, to pay for Team or Sabretooth's ability so you can bounce the Dockside to your hand, replay it, and presumably net mana each time, assuming you know your opponents have a scattering or a smattering of uh, artifacts and enchantments. And then, so you have infinite mana, you have infinite storm, uh, and then you can use some of your mana to bounce the Spellseeker and recast it, and then go get whatever your win condition is when you have infinite storm and infinite mana. Uh, so that's a really so basically that's just like a one card combo you have magis you cast finale or cord for three uh you win the game you win the game (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, some other things that work well you can if you copy like a whir of invention or a reshape or a transmute artifact um then all that well hold on i gotta see how transmute artifact is currently worded because that's a weird damn card Oh. <laughs> um, might might just be reshape and uh and war of invention sorry more research was required clearly no it's okay the, i mean with the i think 120 okay. cards and we're only gonna have to do this once or twice i think you're good <laughs> <laughs> okay uh transmute artifact does not work and i'm sure people are glad about that because that is a 300 hundred dollar card mm-hmm. um so War of Invention or Reshape, you can get a Rings of Bright Hearth and a Basalt Monolith, and so that'll gen- generate infinite colorless mana for you. You still have to worry about a win condition, but I think a lot of the combo lines with this deck generate infinite mana, so maybe just like focus on having a critical mass of outlets for that, and you'll probably be okay. Um, and then Green Sun Zenith, if you Green Sun Zenith and copy it with Lucia Kane, you can get like you can get like a scurry oak and an ivy lane denizen or a herd bayloth and ivy lane denizen and then you just get infinite tokens uh and presumably you can win on your next turn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think that like all these ways to combo off incredibly easily uh and, and there's more um like natural order oh actually no only x cost okay yeah um, so th- there will be more too though because that's one of the things is like they're going to keep printing these like X spells because they, they scale pretty well to the game. Like the, the finale of devastations and whatnots that like get a creature that costs that are pretty easy to cost so that they're fair and good. So over time, I think we're going to get more of them, which means we're going to get more cards that combo with Magus Lucia Kane, which means that 
this deck will get better and better. But this deck in general, like it says double, like you should know that you'll probably be able to combo <laughs> as soon as you're like copying something. So it's, it shouldn't really be a surprise that this is uh very powerful, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's funny. It seems like recently uh, I'm getting the sense that they tend to put like the, then to have an alternate commander that's actually powerful and then put something that's not that strong but looks splashy in the the face slot because uh, i definitely felt that way about like dehada versus shanid with the the mardu legend tribal deck from dominaria commander decks and i kind of feel that way about at least uh at least three of these these face commanders for the 40k precons because i guess we can transition here because the face commander where this deck is the Swarm Lord. Yes. Uh, and the Swarm Lord is three green, blue, red for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature. Tyranid has rapid regeneration. So the Swarm Lord enters the battlefield with two plus plus one counters on it for each time you've cast your commander from the command zone this game. And it has Xenos Cunning. Whenever a creature you control with a counter on it dies, draw a card. So, I mean, I think it's a less powerful commander than Magus Lucia Kane. There are some fun things you can do with it. Uh, so there's, there's, uh, for example, there are a lot of loops out there with like persist creatures and then things like Ivy Lane Denizen that add counters to stuff um, when they enter the battlefield. So if you have one of those loops going, some sort of like persist and a uh, creature and then a way to cancel it out, you can just keep drawing cards. Well, actually, how, let me think how that works. Because that might, oh, actually, that might not actually work. Because the if you're canceling it out, then when it dies, it will not have the counter on it. Yeah, but it'll, it'll come back eventually. Like one of the times. Well, you will. You, if you're doing it infinitely, like every other death gives you a card, right? Hmm. Well, no, if you have like a persist creature and then it comes in and you put the the counter on it with Ivy Lane Denizen, it's just, then it's just clear. And when you sack it again, it has no counters on it. Uh, but if you have like something like this card A grants persist and card B grants uh, undying or like uh, or like a luminous brood moth type thing, just something that like can switch off with persist or undying, then that would work. I'm trying to think of like I, I know that Young Wolf has something to do with this. Young Wolf is definitely <laughs> part of the the infinite things. But um, I think like the main thing about the Swarm Lord is that it's a lot on the surface. It is a lot less complicated than Magus Lucia. Like I'm a lot less excited about the Swarm Lord than I am about the Magus Lucia King. Yeah, know, like like she does a lot more cool things. Like works with cards and a lot more like evident way and yeah i do like sacrifice loops but i can do that in any color basically at this point and i've, I've done it a lot and like drawing a card for sacking your creatures kind of whatever well, so it's like you know. you know your six mana beef stick commander versus like your four mana commander that adds mana and lets you ramp into bigger and cooler things yeah um, exactly that, that and doubles them at the same time not only do you go from four to six or seven you also are getting like two of whatever <laughs> X spell you cost. So um, yeah, I, I definitely know which one I'm more excited for, but mm-hmm. not to say that like 
the Swarm Lord's not cool or you can't make a cool deck with it. Just like you gotta there's a lot more work involved and the play patterns are gonna be pretty linear. Um Yeah, you know, yeah, if I'm, you're just playing all the plus one plus one counter cards and Timur that you like for the most part. Yeah. I mean like well I think we can I don't want to spend too much time on that. We have a lot yeah. of ground to cover today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the main deck cards for a Tyranid Swarm. Uh, so first we've got Exocrine. This is X2 red for a 2-2 creature Tyranid. It has Ravenous, which means this creature enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. And if X is five or more, draw a card when it enters. It also has a Bioplasmic Barrage. When Exocrine enters the battlefield, it deals X damage to each other player, or sorry, to each player and each other creature. So it's kind of like an earthquake creature. Um, and I was thinking like this makes sense in Rakdos 2.0, Rakdos Lord of Riots, the one who greatly reduces the cost of your creatures. So you could pretty easily cast this for X equals five with Rakdos. Uh, get your, I mean, get your card, deal five damage to everything else, which will spare Rakdos. Uh, also deal damage to your opponents in the process, so continue to even further reduce costs this turn. Uh, so that just overall seems pretty good. Like you wipe, you mostly wipe the board. You probably spare your big fatties. You deal a bunch of damage. You draw a card. Uh, it seems like you do everything that deck wants to do. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. This is one of the cooler ravenous cards too, just because. Uh... I could see. I mean, I could see someone just playing this in a deck like a, um, what's her name? The giant that adds four or whatever. Oh, oh Roshin the Enderer. Roshin, exactly. Just because like you're gonna get the five, you're gonna draw the card off of it, you're gonna wipe the board, um, and you're gonna have a huge thing that thanked you for it. So th- this just seems like a great card you know mm-hmm. like pretty gnarly um so i don't know yeah do you have any more tech or do you want to keep on moving to uh the next guy i think we can move to the next guy uh what tell, tell us about this guy what, what is he doing yeah this one's got um there's gonna be a lot of very good names in this set so this one is screamer killer screamer killer is a tyranid for a uh, five five trample for five four and a red uh has bioplasmic scream Whenever you cast a creature spell with mana value 5 or greater, Screamer Killer deals 5 damage to any target. So this is like a where Ancients tread on a 5-5 five, five Trampler. <laughs> so uh, notably very good together, you know, um, not bad. Uh, it's a pretty steady stream of removal in like certain decks. So if you've ever played like a Mile of the Anima um, or just any like a... Oh god, uh, dinosaur Gishath or something like that, where you're just playing fatties a lot. This is gonna really do a lot of work for you. Um, Sarkin's Unsealing is pretty good too. If you're playing Sarkin's Unsealing in a deck, this is gonna be pretty good. Um, and it notably triggers where Engine's Tread and Sarkin's Unsealing. Um, so yeah, just pretty good. <laughs> if you're playing fatties tribal, if you're playing, um, what's the spirit, uh, Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, cast. That doesn't work. Sorry. But yeah, if you're ca- getting a bunch of five fives on the cheap or if you're uh, bouncing them, if you're just playing fatties in, 
in general, then that's uh, this is going to work out pretty well. And uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a a commander you might have mentioned already that that seems to work pretty well with him. Can you uh, remind us <laughs> what yes. that is? So Rakdos, Lord of Riots, uh, loves dealing damage, uh, also plays a bunch of big fatties. I think there could perhaps be some synergy there. Oh, uh, what? But I'll leave it to the listeners to further explore that one. Uh, do you want to move on to the next card? Sure, yeah. So um, it's there's a few new mana dorks. This is the Tyranid one. It's called Biophagus. Um, it is a 1-3 for 2 mana. It's a human Tyranid wizard. It uh, costs 1 and a green. And it has genomic enhancement. So it has tap, add 1 mana of any color. If this mana is spent to cast a creature spell, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. So 2 mana, multicolor mana dork that buffs your guy. And uh, honestly, this I feel like this is just like an auto-include into most plus one plus one counter lists at this point mm-hmm. you know like you play it on turn two and then you pretty much don't have to think you're like how do i get counters on my guys you just cast them that's the <laughs> answer you just you just play them <laughs> and it's good you're good to go so pretty nuts honestly yeah also great um if you have like a four mana voltron commander um something like a tangarth or marisi or yidris um one nice thing is that like if oh especially like the ones that have five power because if you go from five power to six power with the counter from biophages then you just decreased your clock by one turn uh so that is significant uh it's a lot of time it'll save you especially if you're uh, it also sort of puts you in range where you can like double strike it or like give it double strike and then have it again uh or like further reduce your kill count just make it so that like two swings with your six power double striker will get there um so important for voltron math i'll say that much yeah absolutely yeah definitely true okay so i guess let's can i read off the the next card go for it so uh some of these i'm kind of amazed that they were able to get away with one word names so uh, this is brood lord um this is a three three tyranid for x three green so it has ravenous um, so if X is five or more, it enters with a, uh, when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and, uh, it has blood telepathy. When Broodlord enters the battlefield, distribute X plus one plus one counters among any number of other target creatures you control. Um, so it enters, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but it enters, like, let's say you ravenous it for five. So it enters, it's going to be an eight, eight, you draw a card. Um, well, it's an eight, eight for nine, you draw a card and then you distribute five plus one plus one counters. Is that how that works? Yes. Yeah. I believe that's how it works. Okay. You don't have to share his counters. He's just giving them out as he Mm -hmm. wants. Okay. This is okay. Good. So then my assumption of this card was correct. Uh, It's good. If you want to do that, if you have big mana spells, a lot of these Terran it's it's funny that um, Roshin like inadvertently becomes a very good, uh insect swarm lord like zerg deck <laughs> like bug deck because of this um that's right she was basically an advanced scout for the swarm mm-hmm. yeah who the first foothold on lorwen yeah <laughs> that's actually why we can't go back is because it's been devoured it's all its <laughs> biomass has just been consumed right. um oops but yeah no who are there any uh decks this i mean i feel like the card's pretty self-explanatory but it, does anyone want this in particular uh so i would say like 
Hamza uh, loves having lots of creatures with plus plus one counters on him, and he also provides significant cost reduction, uh, so you can more easily do this for X equals big. Uh, Animar is another that makes sense um, because you know you can reduce its cost significantly with Animar, and then put more counters on Animar to further reduce the cost of other creature spells you cast. Uh, so that that's really the the main places where it seems pretty good. I'm I'm ready to move on to the next uh, card, though. This is Clamavus. It is yes. four and a green uh, for a 3-3 three, three creature human tyranid artificer. Uh, it has Proclamator Hailer, which means each creature you control gets plus one plus one for each plus one plus one counter on it. Um, and no, this is not one of those cards that just restate the rules of the game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it actually does provide a bonus here. So it's good if you intend to uh, go for kills with like Animar or Grismold or Ukima, like any sort of like Voltron e commander that naturally accrues a lot of counters. Um, it's also uh, gives you a hell of a lot of of cards if you cast a Zagana when this is on the board. Um, Minsk and Boo also works really well. You can put a bunch of counters on your Boo. Uh, and then sacrifice it and draw even more cards. Uh, some of the things that work pretty well, Tanazir Quandrix puts lots of counters on stuff. Uh, Phylath puts tons and tons of counters on your plants. Uh, so I think that there's just a lot of places that naturally you're going to have lots of counters spread out among lots of creatures, and, and they'll probably be interested in the claim of this. Yeah. Um I guess with that said, do you, do you, you know, well, I guess the only thing I'm going to add to claim of us is that, uh, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> like <laughs> this, this is a pretty huge buff and it's a pretty simple line of text and that's pretty cool. So can I read off this next card? Is that okay? Yes. Go for it. Sure. So this is Nexos. So this is another mana dork. It's a two, two human Tyranid advisor for two mana, one in a green says strategic coordinator basic lands you control have tap add colorless colorless spend this mana only to on costs that contain x so um it's kind of weird you basically uh double your mana for x costs um which is very good in certain decks <laughs> yeah so like crufix uh you know has a ton of X spells to use all your big floating mana. Uh, Roshin Meander loves X spells. Uh, Wart 2.0, Wart the Raid Mother. Uh, a lot of people tend to build that deck as an X spell deck. Um, and then Gargos, Vicious Watcher, uh, runs tons of Hydras, a lot of which have X spell or like X costs in their mana. Um, so I think there's a decent amount of decks out there. I would just be careful, like, it does only work on basic lands. So the more colors you add to the deck, the less likely you are to have basic lands that, that will work with Nexos. So like trying to stuff extra basics in like a Zexara three color deck, I don't think that's going to work out super well for you. Um, but I think in like a monocolor deck or a two color deck, you can probably get away with it. Yeah. I mean, I, again, like the the Roshins, the Gargoses, like those seem like a perfect fit for this. But yeah, the Zexaras, um, 
not super crazy on mm-hmm. that one. So interesting. I, I really like this. I'm I'm pretty sure if you doubling cube the mana, it doesn't keep the rider. So that's another thing. If you're running a deck with doubling cube, um, if that's something oh, yeah. you're interested in. Yeah, then- that, that's how the jeweled lotus tech worked in like I think some legacy decks a while back. Yeah, <laughs> someone made a troll legacy list that used Jeweled Lotus and Doubling Cube, which is pretty funny. But um, yeah, so that's another thing. If your deck is already running a Doubling Cube, the Nexus might be worth running too. Um, just something to keep in mind. Um, so I guess, yeah, I'm just going to keep on rolling if that's cool. Mm-hmm. So this is Sporocyst. This is a 0-0 Tyranid. It costs XX green. And it has Ravenous, so if X is 5 or more, you draw a card. So in this instance, if you cast this for 11, <laughs> you draw a card. Uh, it has Defender, and it has Spore Chimney. When Spore Assist enters the battlefield, search your library for up to X basic land cards. Put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So I think- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not going to be great everywhere. Um, but I was thinking I'd, I would consider trying this in Hamza. Because it is like, I mean, it it has X in its cost. Like the cost reduction is going to be significant here. Uh, it does enter the battlefield with plus one plus one counters, and it just gives you extra value. Like the Hamza deck is running a lot of kind of do nothing X or, or like creatures with plus one plus one counters on them. So I think this one is like slightly better than the average. Although like having green mana and its cost does make it worse than like robots that could potentially be entirely free. Um, but I think it has some potential there. I don't think this is going to be anything close to a stable though. No, again, it's like, I think Roshin, this is fine. Like if you're playing the X bells list, this is whatever, you know, it's fine, but it's not anything to write home about, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which means we can get into the next card, which is something to write home about. Yeah, so this is Toxicrine. It is three and a green for a two-four creature Tyranid. It has Reach and Death Touch, and Hypertoxic Miasma. All lands have tap, add one mana of any color, and lose all other abilities. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, if you are in a a meta game that has really good mana bases and maybe not so many five color decks, um, where the bonus you're giving to your opponents isn't very significant, uh, then I think this could be pretty good. Um, Like there are certainly a lot of powerful lands out there, Um, you know, shutting off a cabal coffers from the mono black deck or shutting off um, a Volrath stronghold or a Gaia's cradle, or or there's there's many lands out there that uh, would be, you know can be problematic not all decks uh run a lot of answers to like utility lands and i think this could be a good sort of toolbox card for your green deck if you're running a lot of tutors uh you can get this out and maybe hose somebody or interact with a strategy that you otherwise don't have a lot of answers for yeah it's funny that it turns off a lot of the utility lands and it's funny that it makes like uh nick nickthos and you're like Cabal coffers just stop working. Uh, it also, um, pretty sure it hoses Urborg shenanigans too, right? Like if they're like 
trying to make your thing swamps and rexial like that your lands go back to being whatever they were yes uh that would not work uh with this out so yeah it's pretty funny it's a really interesting card um mm-hmm. i think it's really cool um and pre- i don't know just it's interesting with the tyranid flavor so i've always been like a casual like fan of warhammer i've always like listened to the lore and gone like whoa that's crazy and then like not really internalized anything but Mm -hmm. i've I've been like a fan from his distance so like getting this huge burst of like lore and like interesting factoids and seeing how like the flavor translates or or fails to translate into magic has been really interesting to me um so this seems like a fairly tyrannid thing to do it's like no 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 this world is like we want it now (laughs) which is pretty (laughs) terraforming it yeah yeah, exactly. Cool. They're like, nope, nope, we're gonna, we're, this is ours now. Sorry. If you don't like how it works, then uh, we're probably gonna eat you. So, <laughs> um, all of that said, <laughs> this next one is, uh, I think the last monocolor card we're gonna talk about for this deck. It's called uh, Tyrant Guard. It is a 3 3 Tyranid for X2 green. Uh, so, X and 3, it has Ravenous as all the other X spells do. And it says Shield Wall. Sacrifice Tyranid Guard. Creatures you control with counters on them gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. So, uh, <laughs> where does this go, Nick? Where do you put this one? <laughs> uh, so, well, in your Hamza deck, uh, in your sort of go wide counters lists like Chishiro, uh, maybe Halana and Elena, uh, Kazura and Ukima, just I think you guys can figure out if you have a deck where you have a lot of creatures with counters. This is going to be pretty effective, just like another copy of like Selfless Spirit or um, Dauntless Escort. I, I like this. Uh, I mean, I like this vein of design and uh, it, it's kind of cool that it's sort of not going to be a format staple everywhere, but just some support for those niche decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like this guy. I think he's really cool. Um, and then the Ravenous is great. Like, the fact that like he's just like a three three for three. He's like a dauntless escort for your specific deck if you want it to be. Or like I got eight mana. <laughs> <laughs> I'll draw a card off this guy and now I have a uh eight eight, you know? Like that's great. I love that kind of flexibility. So this next card is one of the ones that would be very good in uh what's his name? Old Hook Hookans Death Leaper. Um and comes in the deck. So uh it's called uh Adelan Jackal. That's a guy on a motorcycle. So there you go. <laughs> um, it's a 2 2 Tramble Haste. It's a human Tyranid Scout for three mana, one red green. And it has Skilled Outrider. Whenever uh, Adelan Jackal deals combat damage to a player, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So yeah, very, very good in Death Leaper. I think it's good in Stonebrow. If I still had my Stonebrow list together, I would have put this in it like for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and that haste is really doing a lot of work with it. Like really what you're doing is you're looking around and you're like, oh, open. And then you like, Nyom! <laughs> and get in there and hit somebody. Because after that, it's going to be pretty hard to hit someone with a 2-2, <laughs> you know, yeah, after turn yeah. three or four. Uh, I'll mention that it's also good in uh, General Marhalt Els Dragon. He's the uh, he's the recent like box topper commander from Dominaria United that oh, makes it yeah, so that yeah. whenever your creature gets blocked, it gets plus three plus three. 
So nobody's going to want to block your your jackal if it's going to become a five five. Just a thought. Yep. Much worse. That's much worse for them. Uh, all right. Moving on, we're getting uh, towards the end of the deck. We only got a couple cards left. I'm, I'm uh, proud of us. We haven't spent an entire hour yet. <laughs> God, all right. Uh, okay, we'll probably get through this in three hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, next is Tyranid Herodin. Uh This is four green blue for a 4-4 four, four creature Tyranid. Uh, it has flying and ward four. Uh, and it has Shrieking Gargoyles. Whenever Tyranid Herodin or another Tyranid you control deals combat damage to a player, create a 1-1 blue Tyranid Gargoyle creature token with flying. Uh, so looks really similar to like Sharding Sphinx, uh, although the Ward 4 is really generous. Um, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems good if you have a deck with a lot of clones in it, because once you've got like two Herodins triggering every combat that the growth is just insane um also if you are running like everything tribal or some other sort of changeling build uh this is a pretty good payoff like uh i mean it's these certainly get through a lot easier than like the the tokens made off of brood sliver Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also it's just like really hard to kill like ward four is is quite an obstacle um so i'm I'm pretty into this card. Uh, I mean, it's definitely narrow in its applications, but it seems like super fun and good in the decks where it's got the support it needs. Yeah. There's um, a, a note by Alex who uh, mentioned that Morit from uh, Call Time. Wait, you, mm-hmm. did you mention this? I did not. Okay, good. Um, so Morit is the five mana clone. It's like opposite Sakashima. It's like, I am legendary and I am this thing. Um, but it also gets plus two or uh, two plus one plus one counters when it clones the thing. Um, if you're playing that as your commander, then this is a very, very good thing in blue-green to copy and have two more power. Um, the Ward 4 is insane, as we keep saying, and then just you're making six Tyranids instead of four every time you hit, and then just starts that chain rolling a lot faster. Exponential tokens is pretty fun, it turns out, so... Yeah, really cool, really interesting. Um, all the things you could do with Sharding Sphinx minus the artifact synergies and plus weird other <laughs> synergies being just creatures and whatnot. Um, and also just, I'm going to bring it up now and we can talk more about it later. Uh, if They said if they reprint these cards, uh, especially with Magic Flavor, they're going to come up with unique creature types for like the Warhammer-specific creatures. So Tyranid will be who knows what so i'm actually really interested to see like what those would even be <laughs> like <laughs> what is the creative flavor that magic would use for a lot of these cards is really interesting to me so i on top of other things that we'll talk about later that that is interesting to me and that's something that mm-hmm. i think about this one because uh, they'd probably still be gargoyles because gargoyle is a magic creature type yeah that know? one is supported there it is funny to see like rare creature types uh pop up on these like yeah, I think in one of the decks is like the it's like the second dreadnought ever, but it, it was yeah. <laughs> an existing creature type from Frexian dreadnought back in Mirage. Yeah, very um, funny. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think we can move on to the last card in the Tyranid deck. Uh, this is the first Tyrannic War. It's two green, blue, red uh, for a Saga enchantment. 
The first chapter is you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. If its mana cost contains X, it enters the battlefield with a number of plus plus one counters on it equal to the number of lands you control. And then the second and third chapter are double the number of each kind of counter on target creature you control. So it saves you some mana in the first chapter, like basically the mana you would have spent casting the creature probably is spent on the tyrannic war instead. And then it just makes it enormous, makes it ridiculously large. Uh, By the time you're casting it, you're probably going to have, you know, five plus lands uh, and then that's going to get doubled twice. So uh, it'll make your threat. If not a one shot, like certainly it'll be quite painful to take a hit from it. Uh, But that being said, uh, what do you think about this card? I really like it. So that's the first thing. I think it's really interesting to see this because one of the things about um, casting free spells or like getting free things is that they work really poorly with your X spells. Because if you like uh, Epic Experiment or whatever, flip up uh, an X spell, the X is zero and that's no fun for anybody. Well, I guess it's funny for your opponents to see you like sad, but um, (laughs) not fun for you because you're like, well, I don't get to do this thing. So I love this kind of workaround for the X spell right there. Um, And then, like you said, it gets huge. So that's pretty cool and fun. So I, I also like how it scales into the late game. Like you can cast it on turn five and get a five, five that becomes a 10, 10 that becomes a 20, 20, or you can like top deck it turn nine and start with a nine, nine that becomes an 18, 18. And then you can double the counters on something else too. Like, so I, I think this is just great. Like the, they really juice these sagas. They're all like five mana plus. We're going to talk about more of them. There's, there's a uh, one for each of the origin stories or like a, a story that is very uh, particular to the, the deck of whatever faction uh, that is speaking of. So this is basically telling the story of like the Tyranids showed up and then they kept eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so pretty cool, pretty funny. Um, and I, I mean, I don't really have too much to say about it. It's not going to go on many decks, honestly. This is going to be a very specific deck that it goes into. It's going to go into your, um, uh, like, Animars and your, who's another Tamur X <laughs> spell list? Uh, uh, oh, God. I mean, not a lot. So it's probably going to be, like, some partners or something like that. You're going to find mm-hmm. a use for this. But as cool as it is, there's not a lot of homes for it, which I'm actually very happy with. So, okay with that. All right. I see Canes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to the next deck. This is the Ruinous Powers. Um, and this is the like Chaos, Space Marine, Demon deck. Uh, I mean, we can jump right into these commanders and start yeah, with uh, Mortarion, Demon Primarch. Uh, so it's five and a black for a five, six legendary creature, Demon Primarch. It has flying uh, and it has Primarch of the Death Guard. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay X. If you do, create X 2-2 Black Astartes Warrior creature tokens with Menace. X can't be greater than the amount of life you lost this turn. So this uh, 
seems to have a lot of restrictions. So like it's six mana to start. Um, you have to have some way to pay life and then you have to pay a bunch of mana after that. So like I I would imagine like maybe you cast this as soon as you have six mana so you're not going to get anything that end step. And then the following turn, you can pay a bunch of life, pump a bunch of mana, get a bunch of starties. And then the turn after that, you get to swing with your Astartes Warriors. Like, it seems like it requires a lot of resources from you, and it's very slow. It, this, that's like what yeah. I'm getting from this card. No, I, I feel the same way. I, I think, like, the fact that it's like an end step trigger, the fact that, I mean, I think this line of text would not be terrible if the commander is four mana mm-hmm. if the commander is four mana just like smaller and like i don't know for flavor wise if this is a flavor hit or not i don't know anything about this primark in particular if it was four mana though like you'd be able to do a lot more with this and it would make a lot of power a lot earlier in the game the fact that it's six maybe not turn six but it's six mana so you have to get to six mana cast this have the the infrastructure set up like it just seems like a lot so i think this is cool uh it's going to make a huge board so like if you are playing like fairly casually or in the precons or uh, or actually not quite the precons seem pretty juiced so i'm not even sure if this is going to be particularly crazy like in the 4v with the precons mm-hmm. you know but yeah a little bit disappointing um but i mean powerful if everyone lets you do what you want if you yes. if you encounter no resistance, you'll probably win. I'll say this, um, you know, if if you're listening to this and like feel like, oh, you know, they don't seem very excited about these cards. I the last two decks, I think, are uh, in in my opinion, like much more powerful and contain more potential staples than the first two. And like the mm. commanders, I think, are stronger too. Oh, um, I, I love the. Lucia Kane, like I actually really like the Tyranid deck, but I do agree that the last two decks are stronger. <laughs> yeah, you know? so okay, so if we seem down, like it, it, there are goodies coming, and and uh, hold on to your your butts. Yeah, this uh, this this deck is almost tailor made for Nick to hate it. Honestly, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna lie. So <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, uh, let's check out this group hug commander we got now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, I think it's. I honestly think it's corn, but no, it's K H. Well, it- well, the thing is, like, okay, I have no idea how to pronounce like an A with a carrot on it, but um, the I know like corn is a separate character within the Warhammer 40k universe, like K H O R N E. That is, oh, that's uh, one, of the, okay. one of the chaos gods. I don't know how you pronounce. I'm gonna call this guy Karn. Um, yeah, Karn sounds fine. Uh, I know we have some listeners who are big 40k fans and they can please correct my pronunciation. Oh god, please please do. Like like if you listen to this episode and you're like like that is this thing instead, like please let me know cuz I act, I yeah. want to know just cuz we're going to have to play with these cards forever now. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to butcher the pronunciation. We're going to butcher our any interpretation of the lore. Just uh absolutely. Except that we are not experts on this. Yes. Um, but uh, Karn the Betrayer, to uh, that's where I'm going to go with, is a four mana, five one, a start is Berserker. Uh, so three and a red. It has Berserker, uh, 
Karn the Betrayer attacks or blocks each combat of Fable. Sigil of Corruption, whenever you lose control of Karn the Betrayer, draw two cards. And the Betrayer. <laughs> if damage would be dealt to Karn the Betrayer, prevent that damage to um, and an opponent of your choice gains control of it. So it's kind of like um, super uh, def- humble defector, mm-hmm. but four mana uh, can be your commander, and I don't know if it's ever going to hit anybody. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think this is just going <laughs> to probably bounce around drawn cards well i th- i think that like the way you you build this guy is like you pick one of your opponents who seems like either the most pliable or the most cooperative and you just bounce karn between the two of you yeah uh, and, and there's a lot of ways to make that happen like basically the the whole point of this deck is to try to make trade secrets legal again um so you can run like a pyrohemia so like you pay a red mana, Karn prevents it, you pass it to your opponent, you draw two cards. Then you activate Pyrohemia again, uh, Karn prevents it, he passes it back to you, You they draw two cards. And you just keep doing that, and eventually you have so many, well, you and your opponent have so many cards that you guys just kind of like easily proceed to the finals, and <laughs> your uh, opponent's C and D are just kind of left in the dust. Um so that's I think that could work out okay. Um, I will mention like Pyrohemia uh, is just fantastic in this deck because it will never kill Karn. He'll always prevent the damage, um, and so you can just like keep the board clear of any threats to your power while you and an opponent draw a billion cards. Um, Task Mage Assembly also seems like it could be good. Well, it's 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 okay. It, it's kind of slow. So um, Task Mage Assembly is an enchantment, and it uh has two mana so two generic um deals one damage to any target any player can activate this ability but only as a sorcery so like it basically you're giving your opponent a means of shooting the karn and passing it back to you uh but again because it's sorcery speed you can't like just ping 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 the way you could with pyrohemia it's like well i'll activate on my turn and then you activate on your turn and well yeah it's you know two extra cards per turn but it's it's no pyrohemia yeah nothing um, to sneeze at though honestly like like yeah in mono red that that's pretty crazy all it takes is teaming up secret alliance with somebody you know mm-hmm. um but uh there is a note so um friend of the show charlotte sable has uh chimed in and helped us with a rules question so if he does die if karn does end up dying or gets blinked while under an opponent's control then the lose control ability will still trigger um and you'll still draw two cards or they'll still draw two cards um and apparently it's just because lose control abilities look back in time to like where yeah sort of what happened it's kind of like it you know it god it's weird it's my understanding and i'm sure charlotte has a more sophisticated explanation yeah Uh, but but it sounds kind of like you know, when it is dying, it is changing control. Like, I think control changing effects end when a creature dies, and so it will trigger. It's strange, very strange. Um, but it seems like something that is almost certainly going to come up in games with Karn, so be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, it it's funny that it's pretty like All it takes is a, like, malignous, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, like any like damage can't be prevented 
type deals. Well, yeah, I mean, or somebody could just like send a doom blade at Karn while it's under an opponent's yeah, control. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, so this next one is one of the only characters that I knew about uh, from <laughs> Warhammer. Um, <laughs> this is Lucius the Eternal. Um, they are a five three uh, Astartes warrior for with haste for five mana. So five three haste five mana three black red. And they have Armor of Shrieking Souls. When uh, Lucius the Eternal dies, exile it and choose target creature and opponent controls. When that creature leaves the battlefield, return Lucius from exile to the battlefield under its owner's control. Um, so um, this is like very, very flavorful. So the, the Armor of Shrieking Souls um, basically don't know exactly why in the lore that this guy became like a warp entity somewhat but um when lucius gets killed by someone if they take like any pride in that even in like oh my sword was so cool you did such a good job sword then lucius takes over their body and their face becomes one of the faces on his armor um so like he can't really die (laughs) like you, you have to be incredibly humble to kill lucius and then the entity that like helped create him brought him back to life one time when he did die like someone did kill him and wasn't smug about it mm-hmm. and then they were like uh, i kind of liked when lucius was around and brought him back anyway <laughs> um so pretty cool pretty metal this is the um a pretty famous piece i'm pretty sure too because of the faces all over the armor so um yeah what do i do with this deck though uh so well it seems incredibly easy to get lucius back uh yes <laughs> so one cool thing you can do is like if you have an attrition um if you i mean you like sacrifice lucius uh you target something with attrition and then lucius's death trigger is going to resolve before the attrition activation does so you can choose the creature that you targeted with the attrition and then when the attrition resolves then Lucius gets to come back. Um, so you just kind of machine gun all the non-black creatures on your opponent's side of the board. Uh, other things that work well is like, I mean, I just like Voltron effects with low equip costs. Uh, he is a warrior, so you could, you know, throw an obsidian battle axe on it or a hero's blade. Um, there's a couple with even like grafted war gear is probably fine. Cause like, the downside of like, oh no, they killed my war gear, so my commander dies. Well, Lucius's whole shtick is that he comes back really easily, um, so it's not even an, an enormous downside. Um, you could also, I mean, maybe just like there's other like cheap ones that have relatively high power, like O Naginata or um, Heirloom Blade. Uh, I mean, you have to give him some form of evasion because he doesn't really provide that, but that's not too difficult and then you're on color for some excellent kill spells so if anyone ever kills lucius you can just bring him back the most i'd say like the biggest problem with this deck is like if somebody does wipe the board and everything dies then there's not going to be any targets for lucius so um that could be an issue then you will actually have to go out of your way and cast him from the command zone again. But it seems like pretty standard Voltron type stuff. You can also run like, because he's going to be dying and entering the battlefield so many times, you could run like where ancient tread or Warstorm surge or terror of the peaks, uh, just to like 
continue to murder things or dome your opponents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Even pandemonium doesn't seem terrible because like, of course the big drawback of pandemonium is that your opponents can kill your things too, but who cares? It's Lucius the eternal. He will be back. Yeah, exactly. He's just, he's just, he's coming. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I love decks like this. Like I love like decks that do something really cool. I think Lucius is a really cool card. And like five power hasty commanders are pretty fun, uh, especially ones you can attack with abandon. Like one of my favorite cards of the last few years has been Dargo the Shipwrecker, just because like you can throw them wherever and it doesn't really matter. So love that about Lucius also. Um, but it can be kind of uh, taxing on your opponents to have a deck where you're very good at blowing up everything <laughs> that they're putting down. So just be uh, mindful of. If your play group is going to be, you know, okay with you just shotgunning everything <laughs> they play, um, but really do like this card. I think this is a great like flavor win, and I think it's a really cool card. Um, also, this next card I love a lot too. This is also one of the other only other characters that I knew about from uh, Warhammer. Um, so, can I read this one off? And you want to get into it? Yeah, go for it. So this is Magnus the Red. Uh, Magnus the Red is a demon Primarch. Uh, they are a five mana, four five flyer. Uh, they cost three blue red. They have two powers, two two abilities. Uh, one of them is called Unearthly Power. It says instants and sorcery spells you cost cast one. Ooh, whoa, 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 let me say that again. Uh, instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each creature token you control. And Blade of Magnus, which is whenever Magnus the Red deals combat damage to a player, create a 3-3 red spawn creature token. Um, So that second ability, it's like, you know, not crazy, but it is flavorful. So uh, when he kills someone, he can turn them into like a demon spawn. Um, And then Magnus is basically like the best spell caster in the universe. Um, Like he gave people magic and is just this like gnarly wizard. Um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of like what's going on here, uh, is he is, a a gnarly wizard. <laughs> so what, <laughs> what does this deck look like and, uh, why is it awesome? Why is, am I obsessed with it? <laughs> so, uh, this is, uh, honestly, there's been a lot of these types of decks lately, but, uh, it's a deck that runs a lot of things that like when you cast a spell, make a token and also just a lot of like just token generators, um, because once you kind of cast, I mean, once you get like a couple, uh, tokens out, you can kind of just set off this, not quite like chain reaction, but just like increasing returns, like crazy amounts of growth. So like, you know, let's say you got a couple tokens out, you could do something like cast a tempt with vengeance uh, which is like X and red create X one, one elemental creature tokens with haste. And then each opponent can also do that. And then if they take the, if they take the bait, then you get to make even more tokens or like, or even something like a goblin offensive or a fired cat blitz is like X cost, make lots of guys, make lots of tokens. Um, and then, uh, well, when you do that, then the next spell gets even cheaper and you can keep going and you're on because you're in have access to blue you're on color for a lot of x draw spells uh so you can like draw into more token generation to make even further cost reduction 
to draw even more cards. Uh, it's very powerful. It kind of goes off uh, pretty quickly. So it, it does take a little to of it does take a little bit of setup. Like you have to get some tokens out there. You have to cast Magnus on turn five, and you kind of got to untap on turn six. But once you get to that point where you've got Magnus and a bunch of open mana and some tokens to start you off, it's just a cascade. Like you yeah. win extremely quickly. Yeah, uh, I, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Um, I was brewing a a Zafai deck and I just was not having a good time like testing it, um, just trying to make it work because it's like pretty funny and whatever. And now I'm like, nope, Magnus. Nope, nope. That's where we're at. This is what we're doing. Uh, this will be the like, uh-huh. uh huh. Which Zafai was that? Is that the Thunder Collector or the Thunder Conductor? Oh, yeah. Uh, th- it's the train one. The train, the conductor. Uh, th- there yeah. we go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It was my train tribalist, actually. So, um, but no, I I love this stuff. I love spells. Um, in sixty card formats, like red blue tempo, red blue spells is like one of my favorite things to do in draft. Whenever red blue spells is good, I usually end up loving that format. Thank you, Dominaria United. But yeah, Magnus is, uh, I I love him. So uh, I guess let's keep on moving. Do you want to read uh this next guy? Sure. Uh, so the next guy is Abaddon the Despoiler. It is two blue, black, red for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature, Astartes Warrior. Is it Astartes or Astartes? Astar- mm, whatever. I don't actually know. I'm not going to settle on either one. We're not going to say it that many times this episode, right? Uh, it has Trample, and it also has Mark of Chaos Ascendant. During your turn, spells you cast from your hand with mana value X or less have Cascade where X is the total amount of life your opponents have lost this turn. So a uh, fair, fair number of restrictions here. Um, you have to be dealing damage to your opponents. Uh, it's only on your turn. It's only spells cast from your hand. So like you can't cascade and, and cascade further. Um, but this could uh, do some fun stuff with it. Like you just be aware you, you, really don't want to run counter spells in this deck um but it is like potentially a lot of cards and mana uh as with any cascade commander you could think about running stuff like um ancestral vision or uh like lotus blossom or uh wheel of wheel of something wheel of fate um all of these like cascade cards that normally you can't cast, but which can be the bottom of your curve. Cause like you could always, um, if you stack your deck with a bunch of like one drops, just to try to make it easier for you to cascade into these like really powerful, uh, spells that could be pretty sweet. Um, I don't know any other good ideas for what to do with Abaddon. No, I think you got most of it. I think, a lot of the lessons people can get from Abaddon, you can get from like Yidris. So like looking at what other Cascade decks are doing will kind of inform you like what works pretty well. Um, and like starting chains of Cascade, like putting Cascade spells in your Cascade. So um, spoiler, spoiler alert, this deck uh, has a Cascade theme. Hmm. So <laughs> a lot of the cards like Ravenous was the theme of the Tyranids. Cascade is the theme of this uh, Abaddon, the Despoiler list. Um, so it is very possible, especially out of the box, to like 
you deal a bunch of damage with Abaddon out, you cascade into just kind of anything that naturally has cascade and you just keep it flowing, keep it going. Um, so that, that's where I would look is just like what has worked in the past, especially with like Yidris, who doesn't like Abaddon doesn't even need to make a house call, you know, he can just kind of <laughs> hang out. He can just kind of be there. <laughs> So I guess do we want to get into the this next guy? Do you want me to read him off and you can like get into him? Yeah, go for it. So this is Bellacor the Dark Master. Uh this is a six five demon noble with flying. And this is the face commander, I'm pretty sure. Or or is uh Abaddon? No, the face Abaddon is the face commander. This is uh, uh okay. yeah, this guy's relegated to second fiddle. That's okay because he in in our hearts he's the first. Um true, so true. yeah, Bellacor is a 6-5 flyer for 6 mana, 3 blue-black-red. Um, has two abilities. Prince of Chaos, when Bellicor the Dark Master enters the battlefield, you draw X cards and lose X life, where X is the number of demons you control. And Lord of Torment, whenever another demon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. So, uh, how, how do you feel about it? <laughs> uh, so... It is like the best attempt at a demon tribal commander we've seen thus far. Um, but, and, and, you know, like it does draw a bunch of cards when it enters. And like, if it sticks around, you can uh, control the board or like burn your opponent's faces. Like these abilities are not bad, but they don't solve the problem of like, how do I make it easier to play demons and commander? Um, I mean, demons are an iconic creature type, and like most iconic creature types, they tend to be on the more expensive side. Like, most of the good demons start at five mana and only go up from there. So, like, yeah, Belcor, cool. I get to draw, like, I got to draw three cards when I when I cast it or whatever. But, you know, it doesn't really solve the problem that your deck doesn't get started until maybe turn four. Uh, and you're really just casting like one big beefy creature per turn and hoping that's enough to win the game. So it's, uh, it's not, uh, I, it's not what the demon tribe needs. What I really wanted to see was like something, I don't know, relatively cheap, uh, that could reduce the cost of your demons, perhaps like that. Uh, Ooh, what was that? Like, it was in the Kaldheim theme booster packs. Um, oh, God. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, like angel, like three cost creature, angel spells you cast, cost two less to cast. Like something like that for demons would be fine. Just allow me to oh, like have, uh, have, have, give me like a way to play something on the first three turns of the game and then like make it easier for me to get to the point where I can cast multiple spells per turn, multiple demons per turn, uh, really like get things down there. Uh, Starnheim aspirant is the card I was thinking of. Um, mm-hmm. but that, yeah, it doesn't work out so great. Like I'm just looking at the curve of my Bellacore deck and I, I'm just trying to run like the good demons and it's, uh, really big old spike on the curve there at five and and that's weird to have more six drops than three drops why is that <laughs> like uh it it just like does not work out super well 
Um, and I don't think this is like a changeling deck. I, I mean, no. I maybe like maybe you, you like if you if you're willing to just like really go deep and just hope nobody tries to wipe the board and just play like changelings on turns one through five on the hope that like your six drop will recoup all the cards you've invested up to that point. Um, I mean, sure. But like, have you really accomplished anything? I, I mean, I guess like if you are blinking him after that, then you start to like really get positive on the interaction. But that is just like a lot of faith you're putting, uh, like you're committing a whole lot of cards and effort to before you like see a return on your investment and and the and of course like you're just playing a deck where the individual card quality is weak and if somebody counters your six drop commander you uh are left with a bunch of like i don't know uh god like amoeboid changelings (laughs) yeah if you're going the the changeling route for sure um i i think this is still fine like i think we're going to get a better um this is my feeling on it like this is definitely the best demon tribal commander we've seen like period you know but i'm glad that they didn't give us the like nutso demon commander we deserve in a universes beyond set for reasons we'll probably end up talking about at the end of this episode mm-hmm. um yeah they gave know, us so, other nutso cards <laughs> in yeah. universes <laughs> yes. there's yeah. plenty of other yeah absolutely but um yeah i i i like this guy i actually do think that like it's going to not work as well as like it could, you know, like you, you uh, are going to be sitting there with your kind of like dirtily demon deck and then you'll get some stuff. But when it's going off, it's going to really go off because you're going to have your like blue flicker cards, which work with both halves of him. You can flicker him to draw more cards. You can flicker the demons to like deal their power and stuff. So I think like, the deck is cohesive even if it's slow and clunky Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like like someone is going to build this and have a lot of fun with just this like crazy top end deck um it really reminds me of like like (laughs) a friend of ours has a nickel bullets tribute list which is a, a a thing that that i've i've heard a few people do um and in the nickel bullets list, it pretty much doesn't do anything until it's just haymaker, 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 and that's mm-hmm. what this deck seems like. You know, it's like uh, I'm gonna sit here and cross my fingers that you don't kill me before turn seven, and then turn seven onwards, I'm just off the rails unless you can interact with me. So every all the single other decks, card is just super powerful. Yeah, exactly. And every single card is gonna just do something nuts with my commander out or. Mm-hmm. Like you killed my commander, but you didn't wrath the board, so I cast my commander and draw three or four more cards again, and oh look, more demons, and you know, so um, I I'm fine with him. I think it's the the fact that it works with blink, the fact that um, demons are you want to cast the demons even after you cast him, that it wasn't just like cast all your demons and then cast this, and then you can cast more demons, and they're worse. Like it's actually. I, I like both halves of him. They thought about the game before and after he was there. Mm-hmm. But e- even if it, all of everything you said is true, <laughs> you know. Um, but with all of that said, those are all the legendary creatures for this deck. Let's get into the main deck cards. These first few are going to be pretty quick. Um, okay, uh, I'll yeah. start with this very fast one. Uh, Heralds of Zinch 
It is four and a blue for a three three creature demon with flying, and it has cascade. Uh, extremely simple card. Where does this fit into the format? Uh, so there might be a red, blue, green commander that uh, really wants more like cascade effects that it's not embarrassed about, and that mm. commander might be Averna. So. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, who can say for sure? It is a mystery. <laughs> it's a <on>. mystery. <laughs> uh, next is Great Unclean One. Four and a black for a four or five creature demon. It has reverberating summons. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses two life. Then for each opponent who has less life than you, create a one three black demon creature token named Plague Bearer of Nurgle. Uh, so, uh, well, there aren't a lot of cards out there that create demon tokens um and it sort of helps you to go wide like for bellicor's etb trigger trigger um you know you can play this guy potentially get i mean potentially get three demons and then the following turn cast your bellicor and draw a whole mess of cards um also like seems like it could be good in aristocrats decks it just makes a lot of bodies and cares about you having more life than your opponents um so yeah that's that's kind of what i'm thinking about with mm-hmm. this card just be aware that if you're doing this you can't go too hard on like necropotence or yeah. fire covenant or just like any of the big life payment cards in in this color identity yeah so i i was that's exactly what i'm most excited about this card for uh, i do want to say it, this is one of the few f- flavor losses like that i'm aware of um Mm -hmm. so like great unclean ones kind of what they do in game in warhammer is just be like incredibly hard to kill they're just like a big thing that like doesn't die like just they keep regenerating they keep coming back um and this doesn't really have anything to do with that so like i do really like the card uh but uh i guess this is one of the few uh misses in regards to like warhammer flavor um so you know whatever that's fine um this next one is uh a sorcery can i get into this guy yeah go for it so this is mandate of abaddon so this is a four mana sorcery three and a black choose target creature you control destroy all creatures with power less than that creature's power um so this is the opposite of uh what is it fell the mighty what's the five mana white sorcery uh, I think it is Fell the Mighty. Yeah. Is it Fell the Mighty? Yeah, where you target a creature and everything bigger than it dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool. This is pretty flavorful. Um, and it's very, very good in um, Voltron Commander decks. You're like, wow, my seven power guy uh, kills all of your other things and hits you. Mm-hmm. And that's worth four mana to me, you know? Yeah, I know. It's uh, pretty solid. Just be aware that um, if your opponent has spot removal for your target, they can fizzle your wrath, and that's going to feel really bad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it gets additional value if you're good at protecting your commander. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so cool card. Um, goes into very specific places, um, and I don't know. Do you want to keep on moving? Yes. So next card we have is Nurgle's Rot. It is a single black mana for an enchantment aura with enchant creature and opponent controls. When Enchanted Creature dies, return Nurgle's Rot to its owner's hand, and you create a 1-3 black demon creature token named Plague Bearer of Nurgle. Uh, so, first thing I thought of was uh, Ramsey's Overdark, that uh, 
well-known and popular commander that taps to destroy creatures with enchantments on them. Also, just like decks that can convert dorky creatures into kill spells. Like if you're playing a deck that runs attrition or, you know, even like some commanders, like maybe a uh, a Yogmoth, perhaps, that can turn little dorks into like, well, I'll kill a mana dork, get back my Nurgle's rock, uh, rot, and then play the rot on something else. Uh, you know, that could kind of go somewhere strong that certainly will like help you draw cards as your opponent's creature dies. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about with this. I don't know if you have any other ideas. No, I, I mean, I really like this in Ramses was the first thing I thought about. Um, I really like Nurgle <laughs> as a character. This is one of the, the characters I have vague knowledge of. Um, and I think cards like this are really interesting in certain lists. So you got your like Daxos 2.0. Um, and like you said, with kill spells and whatever. Um, so I think this is just a cool piece of tech. I love stuff like this, like weird, like permanent type that comes back to hand over and over again. Like you can do a lot of cool stuff with it. So, um, can I read off this next card? Mm-hmm. So this is Pox Walkers. This is a three, one zombie for three mana, two and a black. They have death touch and curse of the walking pox. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, return pox walkers from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So some just before we even talk about this for commander, like this is probably going to blow like some legacy doors, you know, like this is uh, a very efficient recurring body (laughs) for Mm -hmm. dredge and whatnot. So, um, damn. Wow. (laughs) Um, but all of that said, um, there are some decks that this is also very cool in that you can do some really cool stuff with. Um, so, I mean, my one of my favorite ones is Chainer 2.0. Um, and I think Alex said the same thing. Uh, just makes a lot of... You're casting... Okay, let me, let me restart. I'm going too fast. Chainer 2.0 has a discard a card, uh, target a creature in your graveyard. Until end of turn, you may cast that creature from your graveyard this turn. So, uh, enables discard effects and also reanimates stuff. And since you're casting the creature from your graveyard, Poxwalkers comes back. So you can pitch the Poxwalkers to cast something from your graveyard and then pox walkers comes back um very good very efficient there i'll think of more <laughs> there's a lot but it's 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 just a very integral or not integral it's a very interesting piece for uh, a lot of decks that want to do janky things with spells uh if you care about this i don't think you would care about this in prosper but it works you know stuff like that yeah that's a good point uh i don't really think i have anything else to say about this like it Maybe if your zombie deck is like really consistently able to find its grave crawler, mm-hmm. uh, this could be good because like you know you cast grave crawler, get your pox walkers back, and then you can sack uh, one or both of them to whatever your, your will held or something. What's the wizard zombie that you cast things out of the graveyard? Uh, um, oh, I guess Havengul and Havengulich. Yes, yeah. that's the one I was thinking of. So Havengulich, but I, when I looked, I'm like, oh yeah, also you could do that in Drolnir. And also Oscar, um, cast things out of your graveyard, Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer. So mm-hmm. there's a few That's things. Right. It, it's just like, a, it works really well with Tormrod, uh, sorry, Tormrod, um, the Desecrator, the partner. So it's, yeah, interesting. Uh, more interesting than some of the cards that uh, <laughs> we also got in this deck. This next card is is uh, pretty wild. Do we want to talk about this one? 
Yeah, so this is Bloodthirster. It is 5 and a red for a 6-6 six, six creature demon with flying and trample. When it deals combat damage to a player, untap it. After this combat after this combat phase, there is an additional combat phase, and Bloodthirster can't attack a player. It has already attacked this turn. So it looks kind of similar to Port Razor. Uh, unfortunately, because it only untaps itself, like that does disqualify it from some of the combos that Port Razor works in. But there's a couple that still uh, are effective. So like anything that makes a token copy of this and doesn't require tapping. So like Helm of the Host or Rionia, the, the Fire Dancer. Um, both of those just make infinite combats with Bloodthirster, and that's pretty okay. Um, it's also just like, I think this is a solid card and just like aggressive decks that can give it haste. And especially uh, I was thinking like Xenagos um, or Xenagod rather. So if you have this in a Xenagos deck, like you play Xenagos turn five, you play this turn six, you target it with Xenagos. Uh, so it gets plus six plus six. Now it's 12-12 on the first hit. You hit somebody for 12. It untaps. Uh, then you get another combat step. Xenagos gets to target it again, and now it's 24. You hit opponent B for 24. Then you get an extra combat, and then you target it again with Xenagos, and you hit the last person for 48. And uh, so you get to kill one player and, and cripple one and then smack one decently hard all in one turn. So seems like a very powerful card in that list. Um, I'm sure there's other good applications elsewhere. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is just a uh, cool card. I love Port Razor effects. They're like pretty fun, fair magic. You're like, it's combat. <laughs> like, <laughs> how mad can you get at combat? Come on. Um, so this next card, uh, hmm, it's, it might might uh, reverberate a little bit with some of the listeners. Um, maybe as I. As I read this off, think about <laughs> some things we've mentioned in this episode. So this is Herald of Slanesh. Uh, this is a 2-2 two, two demon for 3 mana, 2 and a red. Uh, and it has Locus of Slanesh. Demon spells you cast cost 2 generic less to cast. And other demons you control have haste. So um, I don't know. I'm, I, once again, I'm having trouble figuring out where to play this card. No, this is a demon card, obviously. Mm-hmm. Your, your demons have haste. Your demons are cheaper um what's not to love you know this is uh god this is exactly what i wanted out of a demon tribal commander (laughs) uh because like this is not gonna do a huge amount of work as one card in 99 in your bellicor list Mm -hmm. um but i mean hell hey you you are certainly going to run it It's, it's very good and uh the next best option is like Urza's Incubator, which is currently going for a sweet $50. Jeez, uh, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's a fantastic tribal effect. This is exactly the kind of card I want to put in my decks with expensive, slow creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, can you imagine if this was the commander? Whoa. Oh, oh God. Ooh. That's yeah, wow. that's the best universe. We're not in that one. We're in the 40k yeah, universe. Okay. Yeah, we we knew that. We yeah. Knew that. <laughs> this, this world is too grim and dark to allow the, that kind of thing to happen. <laughs> yeah, speaking of grim and dark, we're in the main deck cards. And um oh, I guess we have been in the main deck cards, but we're in the, this is not a creature. This is one that um is multicolored and is uh wild. I think this is one of the preview cards. 
Uh, it's called Blood for the Blood God with the exclamation point and everything. It costs uh, eight black, black, red for an instant. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature that died this turn. Um, and discard your hand. Draw eight cards. Blood for the Blood God deals eight damage to each opponent. Exile Blood for the Blood God. Um, Flavor Texas Skulls for the Skull Throne. The art is pretty grisly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do you feel about this? Uh, so I, there's not. I was thinking like the one deck I could think of that like would be able to significantly reduce its cost consistently was the new commander from uh, Dominaria United, the one that like, uh, you know, if you oh if yeah five creatures died this turn, you get to tutor. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like, well, if I'm if I got my five creatures to die, then I'm tutoring for something, and if I'm tutoring. I'm probably pretty close to winning. So I don't know if I need to muck around with blood for the blood God, mm-hmm. but I was thinking like that, you know, there are some decks that can cheat this mana cost. So like Jaleva, um, really loves big, expensive haymaker spells. Uh, cause she ain't paying full retail for that. She's doing the five finger discount. So mm-hmm. it seems like this could be pretty good in that list. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think any, like, if I was playing, um, um, I, what am I thinking of? Uh, Legomos, the, the commander you mentioned. Mm-hmm. If I was playing any, like, red black list that was aristocracy or, um, playing, um, like, to- what's the pit? The token creator spawning pit or something like that. Like, yeah, making a lot of man. yeah, making a lot of tokens like that. I think I would play this still because like it's probably only going to cost hopefully only cost 3 if you're doing your thing correctly. Um it's an instant, so you can also do it on like a turn where someone just wraths or something like that. And um it just refills your hand so good. So, I think there are some decks that are really into this. Um if I was still playing um a deck that was used oh man um and olivia the uh, voldaren list that used like uh the orchards and the hunted dragons and things to give people creatures so that i could mess with them with like repercussion and stuff if i still had like that list i would have put this in it absolutely because the whole point was like killing creatures that like i gave people so i think it's cool it's like definitely not for every deck Mm -hmm. but if you are not paying full retail then then heck yeah, you know. Um, this next card is uh, is funny. Okay, so this is Chaos Defiler. This is a 5-4 de- artifact creature demon construct for 5 mana, 3 black red. Uh, it has Trample, and it says Battle Cannon. When Chaos Defiler enters the battlefield or dies, for each opponent, choose a non-land permanent that player controls. Destroy one of those chosen at random. So... Uh, it is when it enters or dies. So if and, and it is a red and black artifact and a creature. So if you can get some, you know, loops going, if you are uh, uh, using some of your little goblin work buddies, you know, mm-hmm. getting some some engineering going on, it's not hard to just start just tearing up <laughs> your uh, opponent's non-land permanence and uh, I'm pretty into this. I think this is really cool. 
Yeah, I am really into this card as well. I, I think like if you've got some sort of engine, this is incredible. Um, I I mean, I mean like Chainer 2.0, the black red Chainer, like can cast this from his graveyard pretty easily. So and then like probably runs plenty of sack outlets to get him back in there. Um, it also is worth noting that this gets better as players get eliminated um, because it goes from being like a one in three chance of blowing the thing you really want to kill to just a one in two chance to like a guaranteed when this enters or dies blows the target thing up. Um, also worth noting, if you are trying to do some sort of like artifact recursion deck, you're probably running scrapyard recombiner and this is a mm-hmm. construct so scrapyard recombiner can find it uh, and then of course like scrapyard recombiner can sacrifice artifacts so you can it, that can serve as the sack outlet for the chaos defiler um yeah this is just a really neat card i'm okay that it's you know less focused because in this set of precons we also got a bunch of different chupacabra variants so (laughs) it's it's fine if this one's a little bit chaotic um yeah it's just they gave us so many presents with this like it's a construct it's an artifact creature it's an enters or leaves um and then worst case scenario it's a 5-4 trampler Mm -hmm. (laughs) like so very cool of wizards to do that for us yep and remember and uh i hope you pick up your copy now because they're not getting reprinted for a very long time (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so do you want to do you want to get into this next card? Sure. Uh, this is oh god uh, a challenge <laughs> to pronounce. Uh, this is Drac Drachnian Drachnian. I think uh, it's Drachnian. All right, Drachnian. Uh, four black red for a legendary artifact equipment. Echo of the first murder. When it enters the battlefield, exile up to one target creature. Uh, it also has demon sword. Equipped creature gets menace and plus X plus O, where X is the exiled card's power, and it has equipped two, uh, so you can, you know, toss it on your thing for two mana. So I was thinking, like, this, uh, unlike Chaos Defiler, I mean, it, it certainly hits the thing you want it to hit. It's nice that it exiles, um, but it's a little bit harder to recur. You can't just make do with, um, with creature sacrifice outlets you need to have a way to get artifacts into your graveyard but provided you can provided you can do that i mean there's like some things there's goblin welder there's audacious reshapers a couple other things um it seems like a great thing to recur um maybe in like a blue black red silas wren partner deck um Maybe even like Brea. Like Brea is a sack outlet for artifacts. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I like it. I admit that it is expensive and perhaps a tiny bit unwieldy, but I will take repeatable value in almost any form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. This this is pretty solid. Like six. It is basically a six mana kill spell with upside. Um, and the upside is is decent depending on what the last thing you killed with it is. But this. Again, they're pretty nice. They're like, when it enters the battlefield, it's not when you cast it. It's not um, when you deal combat damage to a player. You know, it's like you actually just get a lot of the value up front. And 
that rules. So yeah, into this card and uh let's get into this next next one. It's called the Ruinous Powers. It's an enchantment, cost four, two, black, red. And it says at the beginning of your upkeep, choose an opponent at random. Exile the top card of that player's library. Until the end of turn, you may play that card and you may spend mana as though or mana of any color to cast it. When you cast a spell this way, its owner loses life equal to its mana value. So uh you impulse draw from other people's decks and you punish them if you cast them. So uh do you, is this is this exciting to you? How do you feel about this? So like as uh you know, I, I have a prosper deck. Um as somebody who plays Prosper, I feel like Prosper has enough options for repeatable impulse draw that he doesn't need to bother with this. Like playing off of your opponent's library is probably worse than I mean it it's most likely worse than playing off your own. Especially if they're playing like a synergy deck or something. It's just uh, yeah. not so good. <laughs> um but so, like I think that there's just enough three and four mana like enchantments or creatures that impulse draw once per turn that I just don't think you need to do this. Like, you know, imagine hitting the morph player with this or hitting the enchantment creature player with this, or just, there's so many decks in the format that are, uh, that the cards you hit off of would just be worthless in most contexts. Um, so I, uh, I'm kind of low on this. Um, I would I'm not very interested in playing it, but maybe some prosper players can give it a shot. If your meta game is just full of good stuff, then it might do mm-hmm. some work for you. Yeah, I was gonna say if your meta game is full of good stuff or if your meta game is full of like you're playing commander like it's like twenty twelve again and just everyone's playing seven mana spells and whatever, it doesn't really matter. You're like, Yeah, I'll cast this seven mana thing, take seven. Um then I think that's fine too. But again, that's kind of like good stuffy, you know. You're like, yeah, I'll just take your huge demon or your warstorm surge or whatever is going on. But most metas aren't like that all the way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you care if I read off this next card? No, go right ahead. So <laughs> this is Mutilith Vortex Beast. I love the names are so good. Um, this is a 6-6 six, six mutant beast with trample for 6 mana, 4 blue-red. So it's kind of funny to see a 6-6 six, six trample for 6 and blue-red. Uh, it says warp vortex. When mutilith's vortex beast enters the battlefield, flip a coin for each opponent you have. For each flip you win, draw a card. For each flip you lose, mutilith vortex beast deals 3 damage to that player. Um, so. It's a coin flip card. Uh, it's a 6-6 six, six trample for 6, and it has an ETB. So uh, wh- <laughs> what am I going to do with this? Where am I putting this? Yeah, this is like Zinder Spilt and Ocon and nowhere else, and that's fine. I mean, I, I actually don't. I, I can't think of like a blue-red blink commander right now, but like it's a card and a half that like most of the time, you know, like... Mm-hmm. When you whiff, it's very silly and bad, but it's probably going to draw you some cards over the course of game. <laughs> I can't really say that seriously. I guess if I like, I'm playing the Thassa and I'm playing Conjurer's Closet and I'm playing the Blue Blink, but I don't know what deck is doing that right now off the top of my head. Probably like a partner pair. It's probably my guess. 
Yeah. yeah. If so. if we ever get mutant tribal, I will revisit this card. Absolutely. Yeah, this is probably one of the best mutants we've seen. So that's fun. That's cool. Was, well, yeah. Speaking of good mutants, uh, yeah. moving on to the next card. Uh, this is Sangor Shaman. Two blue red for a three three creature mutant shaman. It has flying and sorceress elixir. When Sangor Shaman deals combat damage to a player, copy the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn when you cast it. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, so recently in Dominaria United, we got an extremely similar commander. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, Najal the Storm Runner is like almost exactly the same thing, but worse. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, N- Najal is two blue, blue, red for a five, four uh, freight wizard. You can cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. And when it attacks, you can pay two. If you do, when you cast your next insert sorcery spell this turn, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. So given that it's doing almost exactly what Najal is doing, uh, but cheaper, it makes sense to run this in the Najal deck so that, you know, you play this on turn four, you play Najal on turn five, you swing with both of them on turn six, and then you copy your time warp two times. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's that would make sense. Any other like blue-red deck where you're just playing a lot of time warps would be quite good with Zangor Shaman, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of all I was going to say. If you're playing like some kind of spell slinger list, this is fine. Um, I think specifically the Najal is very good. Um, I would even... Oh, I guess it's not a wizard, so... I guess you could put it in Bellicor, though, the new... The one three flyer from Dominary United also that's pretty good there too because you're like I pump my team and attack you and then I take an extra combat or I take an extra turn. Oh, Balmore. Yeah, Balmore. That's what it is. Yeah, Be- Balmore is the is demon man. Um, Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too many okay, B yeah. names. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. So in the last card for this deck, this is the Horus Heresy. Um. All I know about the Horus Heresy is that uh, it's a very good book series. So Mm. um, this saga costs six mana, three blue, black, red. Uh, Chapter one, for each opponent, gain control of up to one target non-legendary creature that player controls for as long as the Horus Heresy remains on the battlefield. Chapter two, draw a card for each creature you control but don't own. And chapter three, starting with you, each player chooses a creature, destroy each creature chosen this way. Um, damn, they are really giving us a lot with these, uh, and we're not even done with the sagas, but they're really juicing these sagas. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's expensive, but this is a lot of value. I think like just in terms of raw impact, it's gotta be like top five sagas. Um, and also like if you are running this in some sort of saga oriented list, like I think you're pretty much limited to like go Shintai yeah. of whatever, whatever. Um, and that means you're not really actually casting it. You're just mostly going to be getting it back with the activation on go Shintai. Um, so yeah, I think it's a neat card. I think that it's decent generic value. I wouldn't run it if I wasn't synergizing with it in some way. If, like if I wasn't removing counters or blinking it or, uh, recurring it in some way, I probably wouldn't be as interested. Mm-hmm. But still, very cool and like the potential to snatch up three creatures and draw a bunch of cards and blow up a bunch of creatures. I mean, hey, does a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's only only six mana. So I guess at this point, let's get into the uh, Necron list. I think this is the list that's turning the most heads question mark that's probably uh, if pre-order prices are any indication then i'd say that's true yeah so let's get through these legendary creatures some of them are snoresville and some of them are you will you'll see so i would say there is exactly one snoresville and four combo commanders so. <laughs> yeah uh that's yeah that's true so um i guess can i read off this first guy <laughs> yes go for it uh and i'm i'm gonna suffer through these names very badly so um this is Anrakir the Traveler. This is a 4-4. Four, four. So Necrons are pretty much all going to be artifact creatures. So this is a 4-4 four, four legendary artifact creature Necron for 5 mana, 4 and a black. Uh, and they have Lord of the Phaehean Legions. Pyrrhean Legions, is that? Uh, I'll, I'll say Pyrrhean. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. say Pyrrhean. And then yell at me, please. Literally, please tell me. Someone, I'm begging you, tell me how to say this. So, Lord of the Pyrian Legions, whenever Enrakir the Traveler attacks, you may cast an artifact spell from your hand or graveyard by paying life equal to its mana value rather than paying its mana cost. Can you think of a good artifact that is consistently putting itself in your graveyard? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, well, my first thought would be... Probably Wayfarer's Bobble. And then my second mm-hmm. thought would be Mindslaver. Oh, not Traveler's Amulet? Oh, uh, you're right. That, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I, but yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a Mindslaver engine, uh, albeit one that requires some life gain to offset. You're probably going to want to give him lifelink or something. Um, but yeah, once you get it going, uh, it's just going to be you and an opponent on a team against your remaining two opponents. Uh, and you know, that, that should improve your win rate. I would hope. <laughs> yeah. That offsets some of the, uh, the, uh, difficulties that you might, uh, face in a, a game of commander. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, it seems, uh, really powerful. I wish there were more ways to like, well, I mean, I guess you can, uh, tutor it out, but then you have to also have a discard outlet to get into your yard. I just wish there were more like in tombs in the format um mm. yeah there's like two of them at this point yeah black, i think the three of them if you well, count there's them. there's the lamia and then there's entomb what what else are you thinking because i think unmarked grave would not work i think that oh, might yeah, only be creatures that was, that was what and I was it is also about. non-legendary non-legendary that was what i was thinking about yeah um oops oh well but yeah no yep. i mean still good you're still in black you can still tutor it you know uh, anyway, so that that's uh, the first combo commander done. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, <laughs> we've got Illuminor Zerus. Uh, this is two and a black for a 3-3 three, three legendary artifact creature Necron, and it has Secrets of the Soul. Tap, sacrifice another creature, add an amount of black equal to the sacrificed creature's mana value. Uh, so absolutely crucial to this deck is Thornbite Staff. I, I think you... Basically, you can't build this without Thornbite Staff. Don't try. <laughs> Buy a Thornbite Staff or don't build the deck. Uh, but once you have that, uh, there's so many ways to go off. So like the easiest one is Reassembling Skeleton. So you sack Reassembling Skeleton to Illuminor Zerus. When the skeleton dies, it triggers your Thornbite Staff. It untaps your Illuminor Zerus. 
uh, you're back right. And then, well, you can spend the two mana you just got to bring the Skelly back. So you are back where you started, except a creature died. Uh, and of course, black has a lot of ways to take advantage of its creatures dying. There's a million blood artist variants at this point. We've in yep. fact got one we're going to discuss later in this set review. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, so really, like, I think the game plan for Illuminor Zerus is like you're running a critical mass of uh, blood artifacts. You're running a critical mass of tutors to find your Thornbite staff and you're getting as close as you can to a critical mass of like either, you know, creatures you can cast from your graveyard or bring back from your graveyard, like by paying mana. Uh, or just like, you know buried alive unmarked grave entomb those ways to get them into your yard um also worth noting like reassembling skelly isn't the only option that works here like if you've got a blood artist effect then oath sworn vampire works just fine because you are gaining life which turns the oath sworn vampire's ability to like cast itself from your graveyard it activates that and so you can keep going from there um, Ebon Death Draco Lich will require another creature to die the turn you're trying to cast it from your graveyard, but that, I mean, your commander is a sack outlet. That shouldn't be too difficult to pull off. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple decent options for like what you're feeding to Illuminor over and over. Uh, but yeah, it seems like a pretty neat little combo deck. Any other thoughts on Xeris? If you are playing Gravebreaker Lamia, it also breaks energy on that too. So like Brave, uh, Gravebreaker Lamia. Uh, so if if you can get the ability to cast something from your graveyard, that like card just does a ton because it puts it in your graveyard and then it makes things cheaper to cast. So let's oh, say so you, you can have, net mana on the, the yeah. Loop. So you can net mana on the loop. So that that's a pretty important part of the deck too because not only is it a tutor, it's also a cost reduction. So that's pretty good. Many of Lord of the Forsaken is going to be good in a few of these Necron lists, and that's the demon you can pay life to get colorless mana to cast spells from your graveyard. So goes off pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are two um, Pox Walkers. Uh, you know, if you're casting stuff from your graveyard, they're going to come back, and then you can sack them to get three. Um, if you got your Thornbite staff, they're going to come back. So yeah, that's a lot true. You could use Pox Walkers to like. Uh, take loops that would be mana negative and make a mana positive mm-hmm. uh, it's like i was you know like blood soak champion currently doesn't work because it costs two to bring him back and he but his mana value is one but if you have a pox walker is then oh suddenly it is oh actually you're not casting him out of your graveyard then. yeah you are not casting it out of your graveyard so that that's kind of hmm. but yeah there, there's a some things you can do with it um i guess hack on if you um if you cast okay so if you grave breaker lamia hack on into the graveyard you need another knight because uh cast if hack on dies you uh lose two life um Oh, like a, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah. another another trader might work okay if you have another trader and yeah. something that's negative. So like nether I think nether trader plus blood soak champion works. Um Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see it. I see it. Anyway. Uh 
yeah, there's, there's lots of loops. It's fine. You'll figure it out. It's uh, yeah. It's <laughs> we ran deck. through a lot of it here. <laughs> um, can I read off this next guy? This next yes. guy is uh, pretty wild. So, uh, oh, actually, no, this is not. Yeah, no, this is who I'm thinking of. Uh, Imotech the Stormlord is a three-three legendary artifact creature Necron for four mana, two black black. Um, it has two abilities. The first one is Pharon. Whenever one or more artifact cards leave your graveyard, create two. 2-2 Black Necron Warrior Artifact Creature Tokens. Um, and Grand Strategist at the beginning of combat on your turn. Another target artifact creature you control gets plus 2, plus 2, and gains Menace until end of turn. So this is a beatdown deck, right? You're like <laughs> pumping your artifact creatures? No, this is right. yeah, this is like Tormrod on crack, you know? Yeah. Like, wow. Uh, so this is, uh, I mean, similar to Tormod, one of the best cards in the deck is uh, Tortured Existence. Uh, Tortured Existence is a single black mana for an enchantment, and you can pay black and discard a creature card to return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So every time you activate that, uh, assuming you're looping two artifact creatures, you get two, two, two Necron warriors. So, I mean, that's a pretty insane rate for token generation, uh, four power across two guys for one mana. Uh, and then there's also just like lots of other neat combos that Imotech enables. So if you have like, you know, a Ashnod's altar or a Phyrexian altar or a Kark clan ironworks, you can loop like a mirror retriever and a junk diver or like a workshop assistant. There's a couple cards like this that work. Um, but your these like extra sack fodder that you get allow you to like combo when you otherwise might not be able to another thing that works really well is like one of those altars or uh, ironworks and like nim death mantle so you have your nim death mantle you have any artifact creature you sack the artifact creature uh then you pay the mana return it Immotech triggers you get a bunch of guys you can sack those guys for more mana and so on and so forth and you just get uh potentially depending on what your outlet is you can get like infinite mana uh if your artifact creature does anything like a solemn simulacrum or something uh you get infinite of that you can get infinite tokens there's just a a lot of things to do in this deck it seems pretty sweet yeah this is definitely one of the like really cool uh commanders that we're getting and the necrons are they're artifacts right they're <laughs> two, two, two black artifact creature. They, yeah, they okay. are artifacts. Yeah. You can feed so, them into the ironworks. It's just it's so good, so cool. Um, so yeah, I guess do we want to keep on good to this? <laughs> we got two more legends, two more Necrons to talk about. And this next one is, I think, the face commander, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So th- let me read him, and then we can skip over him very quickly. <laughs> so, um. This is a Sarek. Sarek. We'll go with that. So Sarek, the Silent King, um, a very famous character that I have no idea how to say. Um, So this is a three, four flying legendary artifact creature Necron for four mana, one black, 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 and has the ability, my will be done. Whenever, uh, Zarek the Silent King attacks, mill three cards. You may put an artifact, creature, or vehicle 
from among those cards milled into your hand. So, uh, artifact creatures and vehicles uh, in your mono black deck. You know, that's uh, <laughs> really it's what I was wanting to do. You know, it's when I think Necrons. So yeah, I'm thinking, it's, it's not. It's not what I think about. But it's it's quite bad. So like, yeah. uh, just to do some like quick numbers off the hypergeometric calculator, uh, you need forty one artifact creatures or vehicles in your deck to get an eighty percent hit rate on this ability. Uh, so that's like a pretty significant restriction. Um, and you know your commander costs four. It's an attack trigger, so you only get it once per turn and only on the the turn after you cast him for the first time so like starting on turn five you get maybe one card per turn in in a crappy category uh, i just think this is very not good and and i i say that even knowing that you can stack it a little bit there's like haunted crossroads volrath stronghold uh scroll rack like there are ways to manipulate it but even then, it's just such a a weak and minor reward uh, that I, I don't even know if it's worth it. Like any of the other Necron commanders seem cooler and more functional than Sarek. Yeah, I I just agree with that one hundred percent. I think that uh, pretty much every other Necron will lead into a more interesting deck than this one. Um. And with that said, do you want to get into the last Necron Commander? Yes. Uh, so this is Trazen the Infinite. It is four black black for a four six legendary artifact creature Necron with Death Touch, and it has Prismatic Gallery. As long as Trazen the Infinite is on the battlefield, it has all activated abilities of all artifact cards in your graveyard. Uh, so that means... Well, it means it combos quite well. If you have a Staff of Domination in your graveyard, then he'll have the ability like pay one, untap Trazen. And then if you have anything that taps for two or more mana, then you can tap him for two mana and then pay one to untap him and then just generate infinite mana. And then your the other Staff of Domination activated abilities will give you anything you need to win from there. You can get infinite mm-hmm. life, you can draw infinite cards etc etc you've you've got it covered um other things that work well like polypola if that's in your graveyard and you've got a mana rock that taps for two then you can tap your trays in for two and then pay to use that two and use the untap with polypola to get a mana of any color you're back where you started it's up you got your up one mana and then uh well you, you got infinite mana yeah. Uh, also good like walking ballista or triskelion and phyrexian devourer that classic combo where you mill your library and shoot your opponents to death um voltaic construct can work with mana rocks that tap for three or more mana to generate infinite mana uh there's just a lot of stuff you probably it, it's worth noting that i you almost certainly need haste granders in this deck because a lot of those combos we just mentioned involve tapping him and you really don't want to have to like cast your six mana commander and then pass when it's like very, very obvious that you're going to kill all your opponents immediately. Yeah. So, um, a funny, like if you can mill your whole deck and combo off with this guy, um, golem artisan, 
from Scars of Mirrodin, and it's been reprinted twice, surprisingly. I didn't expect that, but um, once in Double Masters, once in Commander Legends. And it has uh, two activated abilities, but the one that's most important is two generic target artifact creature gains your choice of flying, trample, or haste until end of turn. So that's a way to give this guy haste so you can get the thing moving. Um, this is a six mana commander, and you do need to set up. You have to mill yourself somehow. Not like the craziest thing to do, you know, in mono black where you have all the tutors stuff but like definitely very strong um this is also a commander where like our combo episode to going through like typical combos might be good to visit because a lot of them are good in this list too so um i think with that said do we want to just get into the main deck cards Mm -hmm. uh yes i am very excited to start on these uh let's begin with biotransference it is two black black for an enchantment. Creatures you control are artifacts in addition to their other types. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. And whenever you cast an artifact spell, you lose one life and create a 2-2 black Necron Warrior artifact creature token. So a couple things to note. Uh, some fun things that this enables. Searching for artifacts uh, you know, means searching for any creature. Uh, or like reanimating an artifact, returning an artifact from your graveyard to your hand. That works for any creature, although you know, you're know you in black, you can kind of do that anyway. Uh, it also makes some loops work that otherwise wouldn't. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of odd in these Necron decks because like you can generally combo off pretty easily without the the aid of a biotransference. Like there's enough of combo pieces of like any of the kinds that these commanders care about that. You don't need to worry about like turning non artifact combo pieces into artifacts. Um, but I think this could enable some like fun things in other lists. Uh, what what are your thoughts on biotransference? Um, so I never like I didn't have the time to like find everything, but the fact that like in expanded like uh color identities you can do some more interesting things. So in like black red, if you're doing treasure stuff, um you can sack your treasure with Magda to just get whatever creature out. Um, This is also true with like, if you're doing funny things with like Artificer's Intuition or even like an Arkham Dagson, you can just sack a creature to like tutor, like tinker a non-creature artifact into play. Um, Renowned Weaponsmith and stuff like that makes mana for your, just anything (laughs) at that point. Um, So there's some interesting things outside of just mono black that it's doing um like tezzer the seeker it untaps any creature and searches for any creature stuff like that so um i, I can think of some goofy stuff like uh mm-hmm. if you've got i this could be the well if you've got a mishra artificer prodigy um <laughs> and like you tutor out your biotransference you could build it as like a uh 
I don't know, like a Relentless Rats deck. So whenever you cast one Relentless Rats, you get to search your graveyard hand or library for another Relentless Rats and put it into play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's something uh, with the Gliss of the Traitor, um, you could run like, flesh bag maraud like making flesh bag an artifact that can like recur itself uh oh or, yeah like, that's that cool. glissic and recur is kind of tight um i guess that all also works with just like mm, other things like bane whip punisher or any creature that like dies in the process of killing your opponent's stuff mm-hmm. so that's something but yeah it's, again it's cool yeah but i think like a lot of the you know artifact centric commanders with black in their color identity can already do things with creatures pretty competently like you know black decks can get back their creatures they can search out their creatures with their tutors etc etc yeah and that that's why i think you have to go outside of black for it to be more interesting but it's still like it's a cool effect hopefully we'll see more more uses for it um so can i get into this next card yes so this is the Locust Heavy Destroyer. Uh, this is a 3-2 artifact creature Necron. For four mana, one black, black, black. Uh, it has flying, so it's a 3-2 flyer. And it says, uh, Enmitic Exterminator. I had to really like, <laughs> squint to make sure I was reading that right. Uh, when Locust Heavy Destroyer enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature. So a 3-2 flyer with that ETBs and flush bags for four mana. Uh, and also, the fun Necron mechanic that they're using is Unearth. So it has Unearth for eight mana, five black, black, black. And Unearth is just you can return it from the graveyard to the battlefield. It has haste, exile it, end of turn. Uh, you can use flicker effects that send it to exile to like ignore that, blah, blah, all the normal un- Unearth stuff. So a, a bunch of these cards we're going to talk about have Unearth, but. Um, how do you feel about this? This so a flesh bag that's an artifact. How how are you feeling about that? Well, uh, you know, I just mentioned Glissa the Traitor, <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up that this is exactly what Glissa is looking for. You cast this, not a, like kill a bunch of things, get this back, and get back a bunch of other artifacts. Uh, this is perfect. It's exactly what that deck wants. It is excellent. Uh, <laughs> so that's fantastic there's other decks out there that are also interested in artifacts and, and plenty of places for flesh bags to be good um yeah it's more expensive than a flesh bag but just like the extra layer of synergy is i i think makes this card interesting enough to see play in commander mm-hmm. and uh speaking of creatures that etb and blow stuff up the next card is a uh, necron Deathmark. So Necron Deathmark is an artifact creature Necron. They're a 5-3 for 5 mana, 3 black black. They have Flash and a Synaptic Disintegrator. When Necron Deathmark enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target creature and target player mills 3 cards. So uh, once again, uh, (laughs) pretty similar placement in in my uh, estimation as to where I would play this guy too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, it is a pretty solid card like it having flash is you know it's an upgrade over a lot of chupacabra variants and it's uh i mean it has a lot of power relative to most uh chupacabra variants that's true yeah 
uh, and like the mill is not irrelevant. Like getting this. Okay, let's say you have a Chainer 1.0 deck. You're not. You don't care about the mana cost of this card because you're just bringing it back with Chainer, and you get to keep milling yourself every time. So you're finding even more targets for Chainer. Um, yeah, this seems just like a good card. Lots of opportunities for synergy. Fantastic and reanimator. I'm very happy with this. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name. Um, I really like. Uh, oh God, it's that sorcery from Kamigawa that uh, has the fish on it. It's two blue, draw three, discard three at the end of the turn. Um, ideas unbound. Ideas unbound. Thank you. So uh, I really like ideas unbound for like certain decks that really want to play out of the graveyard. And that's kind of what this guy reminds me of too, is it's like, Oh, this is a thing I really wanted to do. And I get to put three cards in my graveyard. Like, Hey, all right, like let's, let's do it. So, um, yeah, definitely. There's a lot in this little package. It's like a very funny that it ends up adding up to so much. Um, so I guess I'm going to read this next card. So this is, out of the tombs, it's an enchantment. It costs three, uh, two and a black. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, put two Eon counters on out of the tombs, then mill cards equal to the number of Eon counters on it. Uh, if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, instead return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. If you can't, you lose the game. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's... I don't need, I I mean it's an engine but it's like not a very efficient engine. It's uh yeah. takes a while to really start doing its thing. I uh I'm not in love with it like it's not as fast at milling you as like a mesmeric orb. And then like yeah, it's good when you have no cards in the library, but it's also when you're in the situation where it's the only thing keeping you alive. It's terrifying yeah (laughs) like i mean it is cool that if you combine this with a way to mill yourself out then the next time you try to draw a card you can get back like a thassa's oracle if you're in a blue black color identity but also or even like in a mono black identity you can get back a um balthor the defiled and then like reanimate everything and then just kill your opponents. But it's also true that like if you have a way to mill yourself out, like any reanimation spell would accomplish the same thing more easily. So I'm skeptic I'm I'm pretty skeptical about this card. It is cool that it's one sided, but I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't don't really care too much about it. like there's a lot of ways to do this. I've I've made do so far. I'm not really going to be scrambling to put out of the tombs into to my self mill decks. I might put it into uh, Sir Conrad. Thinking about it, like just having another thing that does this is worth it. But I don't know. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on moving. Okay. Um, uh, next card is Scorpec Lord, two and a black for a three-two artifact creature, Necron Noble. It has menace. And command protocols, other artifact creatures you control get plus one plus O and have menace, and it unearths for two and a black. So, I mean, if you are running a black X artifact creature sort of aggressive deck, 
like Armix perhaps, or maybe like Jan Jansen, maybe like Sidri. Um, <laughs> there, then those are the kind of things I'm, I'm thinking about um, running this, but it's definitely like uh, a very narrow section of the format that can run this card. Yeah. And I, that's, kind of where i feel too i think this is a really cool card i think like giving things menace on a body that's really really easily recurable and worst case scenario you just unearth it for three um that's cool you know i'm i'm into that armix definitely likes that so that was what i was thinking about um armix got a lot of fun little treats with this deck in this 40k set in particular so Mm -hmm. um i guess with all that said can i read off this next one yes Go right ahead. So, yeah, so this is Technomancer. This is a 5-1 artifact creature Necron Wizard for 7 mana, 5 black black. When Technomancer enters the battlefield, mill 3 cards, then return any number of artifact creature cards with total mana value 6 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Wow, that's I love that you don't have to cast this thing. That normally there's even cards in this set where they're like big splashy effect, but you got to cast it. Mm-hmm. And this one, they were just like, no, I don't know, six, six seems good. And you're like, eh, that's perfect, thank you. Yeah, honestly, like some of the things that they normally put uh, training wheels on uh, in this, or like, like in normal magic sets, they've kind of let off the leash here. Uh, like just creatures that enter the battlefield and reanimate a bunch of stuff. Normally, we see restrictions on that because, like, oh, they don't want to enable loops. But whatever, I guess the. 40k players get to have the the top shelf stuff and it's uh it's such res- regular magic players that get the slop um yeah they know anyway. you're here no matter what you know they'll, yeah that's true they got to whatever they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway this call card is very cool uh i you know setting aside the fact that it costs a million mana like hopefully you are finding some way to cheat this cost uh because there's some like neat loops you can do with it um, if you've got like a sack outlet and a Phyrexian metamorph, you will go infinite. Because uh, like, let's say you have Technomancer on the battlefield, you play your Phyrexian metamorph as a copy of Technomancer, um, and then with the metamorphs like Technomancer ETB on the stack, you can sacrifice the metamorph and bring it back with its own ability because the Technomancer's ETB doesn't target. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, it also goes infinite with a sack outlet and Sharoom. You can just, they both have uh, ETB abilities that will reanimate the other piece of the puzzle. Not that like comboing off with Sharoom was that difficult, but uh, just so you know, it's there. Um, there's, I mean, if this actually, if you have a biotransference out, then this will, uh, go infi with a sack outlet and like the many many karmic guide variants um it is a wizard so like you could even do it with bloodline necromancer in that case it yeah just does a lot uh and of course you could just like try to get some value off of it like if you're running it in a deck with a bunch of artifact creatures yeah sure uh get two or three cards you can also find it with recruiter the guard because it's a five one which is very funny to me Mm mm-hmm um so yeah um it's an artifact so just good good card um (laughs) this next one i don't have much to say about it but um it is very good so it's called their name is death it's a sorcery um 
<laughs> so pretty simple. It costs three black, black, black. What do you get? Destroy all non-artifact creatures. I'd pay six for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I love asymmetrical board wipes. Um, so just running this in a deck like, I don't know, uh, Brea or something where it's maybe I lose one or two guys, but my opponents lose everything. Mwah, that sounds fantastic to me. Like black, black, black is a little bit tricky in terms of mana cost, but like, I mean, who, who cares? There's, there's so many decks that can, uh, that, that can lose almost nothing when they cast this and, and just wipe their opponent's board. So, uh, I love it. Fantastic addition to the format. Yeah. Very cool. Um, next card. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I actually like this card. I had not actually read Nick's notes on it um, until now. So their number is Legion is the card. It's a sorcery. It costs X, black, 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 black. Uh, it says create X tapped 2-2 two, two, black Necron warrior artifact creature tokens. Then you gain life equal to the number of artifacts you control. Exile their number is Legion. Uh, and you may cast their number is Legion from your graveyard. So uh, I like that you can just pitch it not worry about it till you want it. Um, and if you are getting any amount of like treasure tokens or uh, blood from like your Streffen or uh, clues in your Eloise deck or something like that, this just gives you like a pretty big board presence and gains you a lot of life for, uh, I mean, assuming you can pay the mana, which I think is the, the problem with it like that black 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 um uh, i tried to run at one point in time the like is it empty the pit um, uh empty Ooh, i think that might be empty you know the, the dredge pits. or the yeah i think you're the, right not the dredge Delph, but the, Delph, yeah. yeah and um it was always worse than uh yeah empty the pits it was always worse than i wanted it to be i was never actually getting that many zombies off of it so empty the pits is um it does have delve and they were very afraid of it it costs xx black 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 um and i and it's an instant but i just would never get what i wanted out of it Mm -hmm. um this seems like i probably can get something out of it i do wish it was an instant also but that's you can say that about most sorceries um so yeah i think that if you just have a deck that you have like a million like treasure or something. This is like fine. Cause you're probably, if you're in black, you're probably, if you're, you're a black artifact deck, you probably pitch it and just cast it later. And your power yeah. stones and Thrain dynamos will help you churn out your Necrons or whatever. I mean, it, it is pretty sweet to see like a sorcery. You can just randomly cast from your graveyard, but like, you know, you're spending five mana for the first token you make. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say that like, it's very strong with Lord of the Forsaken. Uh, Lord of the Forsaken is the demon that allows you to pay one life uh, in order to oh, add yeah, yeah. C that can only be used to cast spells from your graveyard. Um, that works quite well with this because you can pay like all but one life. And then when the number, their number is Legion resolves and you get all your artifacts and gain a bunch of life then you just recoup all the life you put into it. So 
that's cool, but I also don't know how many decks are gonna are interested in running both of those cards. Or yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I don't. I don't know if that combo is really gonna go anywhere. Yeah. Um. Uh, on that note, do you want to get to the next card? Yes. Uh, this is Triarch Praetorian. Uh, it is one and black for a two-one artifact creature Necron with flying. It has dynastic codes when Triarch Praetorian. Triarch Praetorian enters the battlefield from a graveyard. You draw two cards and lose two life. Uh, and it has unearth for four and a black. So if you, well, okay, I'll start by saying that like it entering the battlefield from a graveyard is not triggered when you cast it from a graveyard because it is going from the graveyard to the stack and then from the stack to the battlefield. So like if you're, Trying, I, I would not put this in like a Muldrotha list or a Carador list or like a Chainer 2.0 list. None of those, none of those are going to work. You have to actually reanimate it. That being said, uh, there are some decks that could reanimate it relatively easily. I'm thinking like Marin or Nethroy or Tyam. Um, in each of those cases, like doing it once, like reanimating it once, seems like. Mm, just okay like it's not awesome like i don't think nethroy if you look on edh rec he's not running like lenoir visionary or dusk legion zealot and that's kind of equivalent because like you play a lenoir visionary and you sacrifice it and then you get it back with nethroy you've drawn two cards after investing two mana and then versus like playing triarch praetorian you pay two mana you sacrifice it you get it back with nethroy you draw two cards so like the first one is comparable to kind of bad cards that aren't seeing a lot of play right now. But the second time you do it, it, you know, you're overtaking the the output of like a Lanawar visionary and I think it does get pretty good at that point. Uh but just keep in mind like if you're not able to reanimate it multiple times in a game then it's like eh, probably not. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of like white black stuff lately, or especially like white cards that reanimate small things or like artifacts and stuff like that. So I think like if there there is probably a white black deck that is like got ascend from Avernus and it's got uh maybe it's like a Barrowin of Clan under deck or something like that. You know, it's got your bishops of rebirths and can't stay aways and whatever you know that are like getting back your little guys and i think if you there is a deck where you put this guy in it and it works with all of those cards and you're drawing like eight or ten cards a game you know and i think that's pretty good so i think this definitely has decks that it's gonna see play in Uh, and i think it's gonna just be better over time too as we get more commanders that really like it like the ones you said the tie ms and the the um marins and nethroids nethroid honestly i really like it because like is flying so like worst case scenario you cast it as a 2-1 flyer so that it can house nethroid for your big nethroid turn you know <laughs> so like that works yeah i'm i i actually really like it in that deck but uh moving on we have the uh the saga for this list it's called the war in heaven uh, it is mono black. It's three black, black, black. So a six mana saga. Uh, this one is similarly juiced. It is chapter one, draw three cards and you lose three life. Chapter two, mill three cards. And chapter three, 
Choose up to three target creature cards with total mana value eight or less in your graveyard. Return each of them to the battlefield with a Necrodermis counter on it. Their artifacts in addition to their other types. Um, so, wow. So, yeah, the, I mean, you draw three for six. So that's, that's, you know, that's about what like big blue X draw spells are doing these days still, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> that they give us every single set for whatever reason. Um, but then you, you mail three and then you just reanimate a bunch of stuff. So I, I think this is good. I think this is cool. Um, it's not as good as the other sagas, but uh, I think if you're playing around with enchantments in black, this is probably fine, you know, like in a Gen or a Muldrotha or something like that. Yeah, I think like I would probably run it in Gen. That seems good there. Um, I think the combination of the first and third chapter is like enough cards and enough sort of mana to make me feel pretty good about it. Um, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's a saga. It's going to be slow. Just be aware of that. Uh, I think that's really all I have to say about it. I, I'm happy to move on to the next card. So we're going to get into the artifacts. Um, I mean, the the non-colorful artifacts <laughs> for this deck. Uh, this is Canoptic Scarab Swarm. They are a 1-1 insect with flying for four mana. Uh, so what do they do? It better be good, right? Um, <laughs> they have feeder mandibles. When Canoptic Scarab Swarm enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard for each artifact or land exiled this way. Create a 1-1 colorless insect artifact creature token with flying. Um, so this is <laughs> weird graveyard hate. Um, it's probably more than a 1-1 flyer for four. But it's not very good when you repeatedly do it, you know? Like, yeah. There's pretty d- diminishing returns at a certain point. Yeah. But, like, I mean, the first three times, it's it's good, maybe. Um, like, it is... Mm, it's hard to say, like, how many artifacts you're going to hit. Uh, like, that could vary greatly among a lot of different decks. Uh, I... I think about like what what is like the average EDH list. I feel like not hitting creatures is is pretty Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. I think I think so there are going to be some metas with like Titanias and Gitrogs and Mono Green shenanigans mm-hmm. and stuff like that that this is gonna do a lot. Um and then there's gonna be the black red artifact list the red artifact list you know stuff like that that this will do a lot and if your meta doesn't have any of those i just don't even think i would even look at this card i'm probably gonna forget i got i'm probably going to forget about this card as soon as we read off the next card just so that the listeners at home can surprise me with it if we ever play it like a magic fest or something mm-hmm. um so i guess let's get to the next card <laughs> unless there's anything else you want to say no i'm good uh next card is canoptech spider it is Five mana for a four-four artifact creature spider with flying, and it has fabricator claw array. Whenever another non-token artifact creature or vehicle enters a battlefield under your control, draw a card. So this uh, seems pretty sweet. Um, it's certainly limited in like the the number of decks it can go in. I'm thinking like Alibu, Loshiel, Brea, 
Um, there, I mean, certainly plenty of the vehicle commanders, but like just get card when you cast thing is, has been a very appealing line of text for a very long time. Uh, I I'm, I'm pretty interested in this card and I'm looking forward to playing some decks that get value off of it. Yeah. I, I love this. I love this for so many decks, but I'm also an artifact slut. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of decks that I shove artifacts into that may or may not normally require. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, also makes you think what like a canoptic insect would be like, you know, if they made it, like a scarab swarm or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, also, I, I know that there were some people in our Discord server who were kind of trolled that it is a spider with flying as opposed to having reach. Uh, but I guess these are just the kind of concessions you got to make when you're mm-hmm. designing to another IP. Yeah, um, I think it's fine. I think it's funny. Like, mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, <laughs> this thing flies. That's so funny. That's great. Uh, they should have like- just uh, should have just given it Defender and then that would have solved the problem. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it does uh for people who are afraid of spiders bring up a whole other fear, you know. So mm-hmm. that's that's kinda interesting too. So this next one is Canoptic Tomb Sentinel. Um this is a four three vigilance insect for four mana. Yeah, I'm having echoes to a, a card that I just can't remember anymore. Um this one has vigilance, uh, it says exile cannon. Uh when Canoptic Tomb Sentinel enters the battlefield from a graveyard, exile up to one target non-land permanent, and then it has unearth of seven. So, uh, yeah, wow. Uh, you know those artifact loops we've been talking about, and the the goblins that love like sacking things and reanimating artifacts and stuff. Uh, I think they found a friend. You know, I think those <laughs> cards got a good little homie to hang out with. You know. Hmm. Yeah, no, this seems fantastic. Um, it seems great in like Chainer 1.0, Chain of Dimension Master. Um, like Black still has lots of trouble dealing with artifacts or enchantments. So like something like this that's relatively efficient, sort of like another Meteor Golem-ish type card, uh, seems like it could be really useful for the deck. Uh, yeah. Also, just another reminder, like you know you casting this from a graveyard will not get you the trigger so don't put it in your Muldrotha or Carador or Chainer 2.0 lists yeah I, I love this card I love this kind of stuff I love Meteor Golem um, and yeah I think this just is good in a lot of decks like the Muldrotha just seems so gross you're like Every turn I can do this? Like Carador, every turn. Carador already had a bunch of... They, the, both of those decks already had a million things they could do. That yeah, were the, the, they don't need this. It's They'll be okay without this. But it, it's, fine. it's still very good there. Still very, very happy about it. Um, so now Canoptic Wraith is the next Canoptic card we're going to talk about. It is a 2-1 Wraith for 3 mana. Uh, it says Wraith form. Canoptic Wraith can't be blocked. That's fun. Uh, and then transdimensional scout when canoptic wraith deals combat damage to a player you may pay three and sacrifice it if you do search your library for up to two basic land cards with the same name as a land you control put them onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle um this is really funny because it's not actually mana fixing you like 
are kind of screwed. But if you're in a monocolor or something, like that seems fine. You know, if I'm mono red, mono black, mono blue, mono blue especially. I mean, they need yeah. all the help they can get. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, easy point of comparison is burnished heart. That's currently in 112,000 decks on EDH rec. Um, so even though this is like mostly worse, like, you know, can't fix your mana, you can't crack it the same turn you cast it. Um, I, I think like it, it still will probably see some play for the decks that are just despy for getting their ramp on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how I see this too. Like, yeah, I think I, I think I'll play this in mono blue. That's where I'm probably <laughs> going to play this mostly. Um, I wish that like hmm, it is unfortunate that it's not worded as an activated ability because that just like lose uh yeah I, prevents I, no, I some of the synergies but that's okay yeah also yeah a lot of the synergy I mean just the fact that you cannot rings of bright hearth or any of the rings variants is troubling and sad and uh, I'm gonna cry at night thinking <laughs> about it so that th- thanks Warhammer 40k um. Just kidding. The, do you want to read off the next card? Yeah, speaking of activated abilities, yeah. uh, Convergence of Dominion is three mana for an artifact. It has dynastic command, mo- dynastic command node. As long as you control your commander, activated abilities of cards in your graveyard cost two less to activate. This ability can't reduce the mana in that ability's activation cost to less than one mana. Uh, and it also has translocation protocols, three tap mill three cards. So not a lot of commanders out there that naturally want to run a lot of cards with activated abilities that are active in their graveyards or that grant activated abilities to cards in your graveyard. Uh, the one that came to mind was Cedrus, the Trader King, because he gives all the creatures in your graveyard unearth. Um, so with this on the battlefield, it just means a single black mana, you get to unearth something. Um, maybe, I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but maybe you could consider running this in Aoraumi, the one that uh, taps. Oh, the grape tide. Yeah, yeah, the one that uh, grants Encore to creature cards in your graveyard. Yeah. That, that could be something, but in that case, like it's not that much better than like, you could just run Worn Power Stone and and get the same effect you're not going to be like encoring multiple things in a turn so it's it's probably not going to generate more than two mana for you in around me mm-hmm. but yeah uh i, I liked you'd mentioned barrels and i thought that was pretty cool because barrels basically gives all of does that work does it, it gives all of your cards. scavenge yeah that yeah would work. So that that was really cool to me. I really I think that's cute and fun and uh just gonna slam jam a little bit harder in that mm-hmm. deck. Um and it honestly that one will save you a lot of mana too. Um yes. so that that seemed worth it to me. But other than that, it's kinda like I feel like it's seasoned to taste. Like if I was doing some kind of like uh partner deck, so uh Alex has mentioned uh Tormod, who I kept saying wrong earlier, so I apologize. Um, like Tormod with some other partner who keeps like activating things in your graveyard to get them out or whatever. Like that's probably a deck. That's probably something. But off the top of my head, I can't think of what it is. <laughs> um, 
But again, I guess can I can I just keep on moving? We're almost we're almost getting done there. with this deck. Yeah, yeah, we're almost there. So, Crypto Thrall is a three-three artifact creature construct for four mana, and it has Protector. Other artifact creatures you control have hexproof. Um, so th- there is a little fact. Uh, a lot of the uh, no, oh, actually, let me look up specifically, but. Uh, Padim is played in 24,000 decks, over 24,000 decks uh, on EDH rec. So um, this effect is very popular. What's the angel called? Um, oh, give me a little bit more. The, uh, there's the, the Metalcraft angel, angel. Leonin Abunus, uh, and then there's the Metalcraft angel. So I'm going to look up. Uh, uh, I think that's Indomitable Archangel. Indomitable. Okay, so let's check these boys out. So 6,500 decks for the Abunus and Indomitable Archangel is in 6,000 decks. So not quite as popular, but blue is a much more popular artifact color. Um, so that makes sense. So that effect in blue is something people care about. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I've never prioritized this. Um, so if you're someone out there who really likes this effect... You got another one, and it's colorless. And if you're like me, then uh, uh, you can skip forward 20 seconds or whatever on your iPad player and listen to the next card we're going to talk <laughs> about. But is there anything you want to want to add to this this guy, uh, something like that? Yeah, that I'll just say that, like, I mean, making copies of it seems cool. Like, currently, he only protects other artifact creatures you control. Um, but if you get two of them on the battlefield, then it they probably give a headache to your opponents unless they got board wipes, whatever. Um, so like maybe Brutaclad. Brutaclad's pretty good at making token copies of things. Uh, and then these guys also protect Brutaclad against spot removal. So that's a nice little bonus. But I think we can move on to the next card. Uh, so this is Resurrection Orb. It is two mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature has lifelink. Whenever equipped creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. And so I was mostly looking at this as like just uh, primarily a way to save your commander. So like Balin, uh, Wandering Knight, as long as she has one in a white up, she can just keep reattaching it and saving herself. Uh, Halvar has a trigger at the beginning of each combat. He can attach like an equipment to a creature you control so you can keep saving himself with it. Um, on your turn, like Bruinor, Arden, Gwyn, and Astor can all like cheat the equip cost. Uh, but uh, Alex, uh, White Clay, freaking contributor, uh, mentioned that like Ashling the Pilgrim just loves this card because it gives Ashling lifelink. So you get a billion life when you um, remove all the counters from her. And then she can also save herself with the ability if she needs to. Yeah, I I pretty much would have said the exact same things. Um, I think if your commander wants lifelink, um, so uh, I'm probably going to put this in Sir Conrad because you just end up gaining like a million life because mm-hmm. Sir Conrad's doing the damage. Um and there's not that many good ways to give Sir Conrad lifelink. Like there's the Whip of Erebus and uh, like Basilisk Collar, but you're pretty much only getting the like 
lifelink part of the basilisk collar so like an equipment that actually does something and gives lifelink like i'm pretty into that too so um yeah i mean i'm into this equipment this is cool um do you want to know something that looks like an equipment and isn't one (laughs) yes and go for it yeah so this is scepter of eternal glory this is a legendary artifact costs four mana and it says tap add one mana of any color boo and then it has tap add three mana of any one color yay but activate only if you control three or more lands with the same name. So basically monocolor decks, like this is basically a Thran Dynamo that's better for monocolor. Um, and if you're not, then it's pretty much abysmal. <laughs> like, wow. <Yeah. laughs> it's so bad if you don't have that. Totally agree. Uh, let me throw out some numbers for you. Hypergeometric calculator says that if you run 38 lands with the same name, You've got an 87.3% chance to draw three of them by turn four. Uh, and then, it, you know, realistically, you're going to run a couple strong non-basic lands in a monocolor deck. Uh, so with 34 lands with the same name, uh, you've got an 80.2% chance. And of course, that's, you know, in subsequent turns, that's only going to get higher and higher. Um, so it, yeah, it seems very strong, seems uh, close to a Thran Dynamo in a monocolor list uh, i can't imagine i mean i imagine this would be a new format staple and yeah, it's I do too. unfortunate that we're seeing it in this property that makes it difficult to reprint <laughs> yeah it's a legendary artifact the, it is the scepter of eternal glory it's the the thing that like turned the necrons into necrons or something like that like yeah oops um <laughs> Oh, well, well, um, we have one more card for this deck that we're going to talk about, um, and it is a land. It is called Tomb Fortress. Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped. It taps for a black mana, and it has two black, black, black tap, exile Tomb Fortress, mill four cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. Um I'm kind of bummed. Like it's five mana and enters tapped. Like they didn't have to exile itself, and you're milling yourself. I don't know. I, I'm kind of. I, I like this card. I'm gonna run it, but it's like, come on. The the sorcery speed activation is what kills me. Like, uh, otherwise it would just be like a almost a strict upgrade over Port of Carfell. Yeah. Um, so Port of Carfell is surprisingly in over ten thousand decks on EDH rec. Uh, Port of Carfell also enters the battlefield tapped, but it taps for blue, and then it's three blue, black, black, tap, sacrifice it to mill four cards and return a creature card from a graveyard to the battlefield. Port of Carfell, though, you can activate at instant speed. Um, but I I mean, I think that Tomb Fortress probably is still going to see play. It's, you know, Cabal Coffer synergies aside, it is probably worth running as just like a non-basic land in your heavy black or mono black list yeah i 100 percent agree with that analysis and like i said i'm gonna run it uh (laughs) even not not in every deck probably i'm probably gonna run it in like i said sir conrad and stuff but uh yeah it's good enough (laughs) you know um and it mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean it's uh you're right. It's it's good enough to be on a land. Like it, the yeah. opportunity cost is 
pretty low for this. All right, moving on to the final deck. Uh, this is Forces of the Imperium, and we're going to start with the Commanders. So uh, first up, we've got Celestine, the Living Saint. It's four and a white for a 3-4 legendary creature human warrior. She's got flying and lifelink and healing tears. At the beginning of your end step, return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of life you gained this turn. So interesting, like mono white reanimator commander also seems like an amazing life gain reward. Uh, What do you think about Celestine? I think this rules. I I really like um, that. Like just off the bat, she kind of answers her own question and is like, "You can get back little things, but then if you uh, pump her up of, or have other life gain, mm-hmm, exactly, then uh, it ends up being like pretty cool and pretty fun." So this is a really interesting mono white list. Uh, I don't know how you're getting things into your graveyard. Uh, probably with wraths or something. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, um, that part does seem challenging. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's, I mean, there's some colorless sack outlets. There's like two or three white sack outlets. Um, there's God. There's so few white discard outlets though. Um, although, like one of them works surprisingly well. Like I'm, I'm wondering if this deck could be the one that brings peace of mind into commander like oh, peace, yeah. of mind, peace of mind is one in a white for an enchantment you can pay white and discard a card to gain three life so not only is it a way to get creatures into your yard but it uh increases your life gain count so that you can reanimate things up to cmc six or rather mana value six uh but you know of course you're you're trading cards for not a real resource you're really just like sort of generating mana here i I would like this commander a lot more if it was in like a a red white color identity um something that where i could actually like more easily sculpt my graveyard uh but it's i i want to mess around with it we've got a a sample list in episode description if you want to check it out Uh, i think it's just a little bit challenging to get it to line up the way you want it to. Uh, yeah. One thing I will mention is like uh, cycling creatures are better in this list than they are in most. Um, or like there are some things like, you know, angel of the ruins where you can cycle it or rather plain cycle it and get some value and then potentially reanimate it later in the game. Once you're gaining more life. Yeah, um, I do want to say, so Peace of Mind uh, is probably one of the more hipstery cards you could be playing right now, according to EDHREC. Um, it is in 200 decks, period. Um, so, <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. Um, but I, I don't really actually have too much more to add to this. I, I really like this card. I'm probably going to end up brewing her at some point in time. Um, and I'm going to ask that you uh, read off this next commander uh, if that's mm-hmm. okay sure uh next is belisarius call it is two white blue for a two four legendary artifact creature human uh, it has ultima founding tap tap two untapped artifacts you control create a one sorry create a two two white astartes warrior creature token with vigilance 
and Master of Machines. Tap, tap, X, untapped creatures you control. Look at the top X cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, I am not crazy about either of these rewards. I don't know how you feel. Like, I am not super stoked to just make 2-2 two, two guys and uh, impulsing for artifacts. You know, you'd have to have a pretty high count. Uh, you're also, like, committing a lot of creatures at that point to get any reasonable depth to it. So I'm not really into this guy. I I'm, I'm, think this might be one of the more underwhelming commanders in this deck. Yeah, so um, I have heard from many people that they're very upset with this card in particular because um, this is like one of the more powerful characters in uh, like Warhammer, like proper. Like this is the guy who's invented most of the technological inventions that have like pushed the Imperium to like new heights and uh, like created like the augmentations to lead to like the current like Astartes warriors like improved upon the emperor's designs and stuff like that and this is the card that he gets so mm. oops um whoopsie <laughs> yeah not great but yeah. maybe the 40k players are you know not experienced enough in magic to realize he's not very good <laughs> i think that's that, what that is my hope for them i think that's what they're banking on honestly yeah. with with that one. <laughs> oh well. All right. Uh, next, we've got Inquisitor Eisenhorn. Uh, this is two blue black for a two three legendary creature human Inquisitor. You may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, create Cherub Cherubael Cherubael, a legendary four four black demon creature token with flying. Whenever Inquisitor Eisenhorn deals combat damage to a player, investigate that many times. So I ooh, I like this second ability a lot. I don't honestly care about Cherubiel. The fact that it's legendary means it's annoying, like hard, difficult to stack them up. You can like maybe sack them and then try to gener- generate more, but I think there's enough uh, synergy available just to like messing around with these clues that that's kind of what i would want to focus on with the list so naturally like you put uh some sort of power pumping equipment on him and then you can make just a ton of artifact objects and once you're doing that like a can academy manufacturer is really good you can start generating a bunch of mana off of your treasures as you're creating your clues um urza will also allow you to generate a ton of mana from your clues, but if you can't afford him because he's 50 bucks, you can run like inspiring statuary or like clock of omens to untap some mana rocks you might have. Shimmer dragon is really good. Uh, Shimmer dragon (laughs) uh, has tap two untapped artifact. You can uh, two untapped artifacts. You control draw a card. Uh, Inquisitor Eisenhorn is pretty good at breaking the symmetry on tangle wire. I don't know how fun that is, but you're always going to have just a million objects on the board, many of which, you know, don't care if they're tapped or not. So Your friends don't like tangle wire. Yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? And get some new friends. Um, 
You're going to need to. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's also good at generating sack fodder for Koldotha Forge Master. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of stuff you can do with this. Uh, cranial plating and nettle cyst. Once you have a million artifacts on the board, I mean, they kind of like feed into themselves. Like cranial plating, as you generate more clues, will Cranial plating will pump more power, which allows you to generate even more clues. Uh, just overall seems very good. Um, yeah, I, I think there's plenty to do with Inquisitor Eisenhorn. He seems like a fun commander. Yeah, I really like this too. I guess he's like one of the main characters in one of the books, so he's also pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. Yeah, I'm I'm into him too. Um, I'm going to read off this next one. This is Commissar Severina Rain who also, I, I guess, is a pretty popular character. Um, so she is a 2-2 legendary creature human soldier for three mana, one white black. Uh, she has leading from the front. Whenever Commissar Severina Rain attacks, each opponent loses X life, where X is the number of other attacking creatures. And summary execution, two, sacrifice another creature. You gain two life, you draw a card. Pretty good creature (laughs) i don't know i mean like it's a good aristocrats commander um like really goes off on the damage output if you got a lot of tokens and stuff um because each opponent losing x life like let's say you just like have a uh mer battle sphere and you just like attack with five creatures like wow (laughs) like then each opponent is losing five on top of the damage that you're dealing on top of that like it really doesn't take much to like make that ability worth it um Mm -hmm. and again it's like you're really only attacking one opponent with that ability as opposed to four so um yeah just i don't know great i love i love her she does cool stuff uh i don't know if there's anything you want to add to this uh no I, i mean i think it's uh I also love the damage output. If you're going to be attacking with a lot of guys anyway, then um, Throne of the God Pharaoh is going to be a great addition to this list. Just even double up on that. Um, Is there anything that like, what's anything that doubles up on attack triggers in this color identity? I guess there's just like Stronic Resonator, but that might not be efficient enough. Anyway. Yeah. uh, Yeah. She seems uh, powerful, uh and i am excited to see her in action yeah definitely so um i guess that brings us to this next commander so this is nam shai marad uh this is a rogue trader for the uh the imperium basically rogue traders are like people that can actually they're like legally allowed to interact with like other races as long as it improves the holdings of the the uh Imperium. Like imper- yeah, exactly. So um this person is legally allowed to like go to other planets and like trade with, with other factions. Um so they are a three three legendary creature human rogue for four mana, two white black. They have uh God, what's it say? Rogue trader. <laughs> uh whenever Nam Shai Murad deals combat damage to a player, you may have that player um Return target permanent card from their graveyard to their hand. If you do, that player chooses a permanent card in your graveyard, then you put it onto the battlefield under your control. Um, 
so okay we got this combat damage ability you know and then we got a we got four mana three three um (laughs) wait what's missing here what's what's going on Uh, so okay yeah you got to solve for evasion but (laughs) i i think that like uh this could be pretty good like okay assuming you can prune your graveyard well there is a point at which mind slaver becomes the only target and then you just locked somebody and of course like once you you know hit somebody or rather like once you get somebody under the mind slaver lock then getting through in future turns becomes a lot easier because you're just you know either not casting new creatures or like sending your creatures sideways or like sending that player's creatures sideways every turn so you can keep hitting them uh i i I don't know i think uh yeah it's it's cheesy and what what other things would be like that powerful to get back i mean i know there's other like haymaker permanence (laughs) in this color identity um i mean like meteor golem stuff um that canoptic thing that exiles things i guess you're Um, like uh ashen rider is in this color yeah ashen riders like there's there's a bunch of like um like token thingies or like um what is that triplicate titan or whatever you know just like Mm -hmm. cheating the mana on just like a huge stupid thing you know just seems seems pretty good (laughs) (laughs) i do actually like this It, it is kind of funny that um isn't as pushed as some of the other commit like it by a long shot it's like not yeah. pushed as much but um i do like it i like the question it's asking and i think the reward is worth it and i think people um will have like fun you know that's, yeah that's where i'm at with it i mean i guess you like assuming everything goes right you know you, you play this on turn four and then you have like a discard outlet and a way to get it in you know that could be a turn five divine intervention yeah absolutely <laughs> maybe okay all right let's <laughs> listeners you tell us the the biggest haymaker things you want to bring back with Nam. but yeah. yeah i just see this as like you know you run ways to prune your own graveyard you run discard outlets and then you make it so that there's not really a choice in what you bring back mm-hmm. Um, so now it's the three color commanders for the deck. So mm-hmm. this one is the face commander. I'm pretty sure, right? I've, I've been yes. wrong. I think every time except for <laughs> that, that. I know it's because you always pick the more powerful one, and like yeah. clearly that's not what they're doing over there. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Oh well. Um, <laughs> so this is Inquisitor Grayfax. So Inquisitor Grayfax uh, is a three three legendary creature, human Inquisitor for four mana, one white blue black. They have vigilance. And uh, they have two abilities, Unquestionable Wisdom. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, and have Vigilance. And Hunt for Heresy. One tap, tap target creature and opponent controls, investigate. So the joke, or the the joke, the the idea being like you attack and then you can tap something down while it's being large as an attacker and blah, 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 all that good stuff. So I guess flavor note before we get into the deck, like uh, Inquisitors are basically like the highest like generals for the different branches of like the Imperium. Uh, and Grayfax is the inquisitor for specifically like the heretics within like the church and the Imperium. So it, she is like literally a witch hunter um, where some of the other inquisitors look more like they're um, 
you know, their, uh, what they're trying to do. I can't think of like what that is like their, their sect or whatever like that. They all kind of mm-hmm. have swag based on what they're trying to look like. Um, but yeah, as far as a deck goes, <laughs> I don't know. How are you feeling? What's going on? Uh, any tech that you would like to, to give to people? Well, I'll say like, you know, granting vigilance is not nothing. Um, you can run a bunch of creatures with tap abilities and like plan to get in, but also activate them. Um, but ugh, I, this is just like such a nothing set of abilities, like tapping creatures sucks. Investigating once per turn sucks. Like, you know, plus one plus O is not, is not like a very good go wide bonus. Vigilance is nice, but it's also nicest in like an aggressive, a more aggressive color identity that involves like green. So you can, you know, attack with your mana dorks and then tap them. Like I, I just don't think there's anything that cool going on here. Uh, I, I think this is continuing the trend of putting the weaker commander in the front of the box for some reason. I don't understand it, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't have any degrees in marketing, so what do I know? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I do like giving things vigilance. I do think that is like actually pretty good. I don't know. I think just you, there's probably some fun stuff you can do, even if it's not powerful. That's what I'm going to, that's where I'm going to land with, with this one. Um, but I guess that gets us into our next uh, commander. This is uh, Marnius Kalgar, um, who is also a very famous uh, famous creature. Yeah, um, he is also apparently a good magic card. But yeah, he, he is a very good magic card. Um, so uh, Marnius Kalgar is a 3-5 Astartes warrior for 5 mana, 2 white, blue, black. Uh, he has double strike and uh, has master tactician. Whenever one or more tokens enter the battlefield, under your control, draw a card, and then a uh, chapter master, which is very fun. It's that seems very quaint for like what's going on here. Um, it says pay six, create two 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 white Astartes warrior creature tokens with vigilance. Um, so this is you can draw so many cards with this. Yes, like, that's it's wild. This is like very very good. Seems extremely easy. So uh, I'll I'll call out like two cards in particular or well three cards in particular uh that are all just like awesome so uh scuttle tide and call the bloodline kind of do the same thing um they're both two cost enchantments and they both have like one discard a card create a token call the bloodline um makes a one one black vampire knight and you can only activate that ability once each turn uh, Scuttle Tide uh, makes a zero three blue crab creature token, and the thing is, like, you can basically just like keep on looting more so with Scuttle Tide. Like, call the Bloodline, you can only do it once or once per turn, so four times per round of turns. But you just get to like keep looting, keep making tokens, because as you make the tokens, Marnius Calgar replenishes the card uh, that went in to make that token. So those two work really well, especially Scuttle Tide. Um, and then also really good is Nadir Kraken. 
So Nadir Kraken is one blue blue for a two three creature Kraken. Whenever you draw a card, you may pay one. If you do, put a plus plus one counter on Nadir Kraken and create a one one blue tentacle creature token. So uh, you just kind of like kind of draw as many cards as you want. Like Nadir Kraken trigger, triggers during your draw step. You pay one mana. You get a token. Token triggers Marnius. You draw a card. You pay one mana to Nader Kraken. You get another token. So you just spend like as much mana as you want. Get that many cards. Seems very, very good. Uh, also good in this deck uh, are things that like generate tokens when you cast instants and sorcery spells. So like Monastery Mentor, Poppet Stitcher, Sedgemore Witch, uh, Talran, Murmuring Mystic. There's a lot of these by now. Uh, so you can just make it so that like whenever you cast your cheap utility spells and your counter spells and your spot removal, uh, you get tokens and you draw cards. So it like all your utility spells replenish themselves. Seems pretty good. Uh, other things that work well, just like things that are likely to trigger on your opponent's or likely to generate tokens on your opponent's turns. So monologue tax uh, or um, smothering tithe or even fairy artisans, all of them make tokens when your opponents do things. So those are all great here. They're just likely to generate a lot of tokens and therefore a lot of cards for you over the course of a round of turns. Uh, other good things here, like uh, Phyrexian alt. I mean, the altars, Ashnod's altar, Phyrexian altar, because as you're making all these tokens, you can then draw your drawing cards, and then you can convert the tokens back into mana. In some cases, that'll let you go infinite. Like with a, you know, with your Scuttle Tide, you can sacrifice the crab you made to generate mana so you can activate the scuttle tide again and then it's a totally closed system it, it has all the resources it needs to just churn through your deck until you find a real win condition uh so a lot of fun stuff here seems very powerful uh certainly a lot better than inquisitor Grayfax. yeah no de- definitely much stronger i i love that like you're running cards like that too though like scuttle tide is a card I've wanted to play with for a while and haven't really found like a good spot for it. So like this guy coming out of the woodwork and being like, yeah, I'll, I want some crabs. And you're like, Oh hell yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> This is great. So um, all of that said, we are into the main deck cards for this deck. So uh, I guess I'm going to read off this first one. It's a kind of a doozy. It's uh, and they shall know no fear. Um, it's a white instant. It costs two mana, one and a white. It says, choose a creature type. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus zero, oh, and gain indestructible until end of turn. Um, wow, we we did it. We got another two mana one. Yeah, uh, no, I'm really into this. Um, it is likely to be restricted to tribal decks, although not, not 100%. Um, but, like there's i'm just happy to see more of this effect at two mana like i hate holding up three mana yeah it's Uh, a lot it's a lot but holding up two feels okay um and like this is only the third option that is 
this cheap or cheaper. We've, we got flawless maneuver. Eventually we got a uh, grand crescendo and now we have this and it's, I'm hap- I'm hoping this is going to be cheap so I can pick up a bunch of copies because there's two things I love. It's, uh, you know, playing tribal decks and not having my stuff blown up. Yeah, <laughs> that is, that is very true. Um, yeah, just a cool card. Very excited about it. Um, do you want to get into this next one? Yes, I would. Uh, next card is Defenders of Humanity. This is X2 white for an enchantment. When Defenders of Humanity enters the battlefield, create X2 2 white Astartes warrior creature tokens with vigilance. And then you can pay X2 white and exile Defenders of Humanity to create X2 2 white Astartes warrior creature tokens with vigilance. But you can only activate that ability if you control no creatures and only during your turn. So big sorcery speed uh, token generation makes two twos and then gives you a second bite of the apple if uh, somebody blows your board. What do you think about this card? I think this is great. Like th- this actually scales really, really well, like into the late game um, because it's just X and you're getting two twos with vigilance. Um, so like a lot of power and then they wrath and you do it again like in the late game like that's pretty wild so i I think this is just like a mono white token staple (laughs) like you know like (laughs) this is just one of the better cards that does this because it it just sticks around until you need it again and that's uh not it's not every card that gets to do that you know (laughs) yeah i will um so like Easiest point of comparison is White Sun Zenith. You know, not exactly the same. Like White Sun Zenith is an instant, so it is you are able to cast it with like a little bit more safety. Like you sort of have haste on those tokens. Mm-hmm. Like, close enough. You know, X and three uh, token generator that makes two twos. So just sort of looking at how that's played. Um, it's that's in like 11,000 decks on EDH rec. I think this is, Ooh, it's like a, is it a side grade or an upgrade? I, I guess like the ability to come back. So, so like white sun Zenith allows you to avoid a wrath initially and get at least one crack in um, this one. You are like fully committing and like laying your cards on the table, but it does eat. It probably eats a wrath and then gives you something else to do the next turn. Yeah. I think it's a side grade. I think it's similar. This is definitely better in two color decks because the mm-hmm. white, white, white is, uh, I mean, not impossible, but like pretty gnarly. Um, so that's definitely something to, that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about with this card, but yeah, I mean, I, I like both of them. I think it's probably like whatever your deck is trying to do will dictate like which one of these you're going to want to play more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is just a card you're gonna see, assuming everyone can get their hands on these decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seems like a cool token generation option, and I am happy to move on from there. Yeah. Um, so next is Gray Knight Paragon. It is four and a white for a four-four creature, Astartes Knight. It has flash and rights of banishment. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target attacking creature. If that creature is a demon, exile it instead. So as a kill spell, not amazing. Um, If you can blink it repeatedly, it does get a lot better. But 
like the requirement that it has to return during combat on an opponent's turn uh limits the number of engines it's compatible with so i think like maybe you would run this in og um the oh, yeah. blue white blink commander from adventures in the forgotten the Baldur's battle for Baldur's gate um i think it would make sense there like that color identity doesn't have a ton of like etb kill target thing and og is able to make it work during combat so that's a possibility but i don't think it would see a ton of play other than that yeah no i i agree and it it's a tool for some decks and i like it for that reason you know Mm -hmm. i think it's cool oh man okay this next one is pretty gnarly this is space marine devastator um this is a three three astartes warrior for four mana three and a white and it has surge or sorry it has squad not surge um so squad this is the first squad card we've talked about right uh correct yes Yes, i'll get into it here so squad you can pay the squad cost uh, as many times as you want when you cast the spell and you can do it from wherever um and if you do uh the you get that many copies of it basically so um space marine devastator is a three three you pay with squad two um so if you pay six you get two of them if you pay eight you get three of them etc etc and what does it do it has grav cannon when Space Marine Devastator enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment. Um, so it's pretty, pretty brutal. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I think, the best white Reclamation Sage variant. Um, there, I mean, there's, yeah, well, okay. Yeah. Depends if you count like uh, Skyclave Apparition as a Reclamation Sage, but I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say no. And there, there's, yeah, there's just nothing better than this. Not only is it the cheapest, uh, most easily like recurrable option, but it has this ability to like kind of replicate itself and hit multiple targets. Um, so I think this is just like a potential, maybe not a staple, but like. You know, if I'm playing a white blink deck, I would look at this very, very closely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I I think this is just. I would not be surprised to see it in people's mono white decks just because like it can do enough, you know, and, mm-hmm. and because we don't have that Rex Age yet. So I don't think it's embarrassing to put it somewhere like that, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, a very cool card. I'm hoping it's cheap because this is one of the ones I want to pick up many copies of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all that said, do you want to get into the next card? Yes, uh, this is Space Marine Scout. Uh, two and a white for a 2-1 creature Astarte Scout. It has First Strike, Vigilance, and Concealed Position. When Space Marine Scout enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for a Plains card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So, easiest point of comparison for this card would be Scouting Hawk. Uh, Scouting Hawk was new in Battle for Baldur's Gate, um, and it's basically the same thing, except it's a 1-1 flyer instead of a 2-1 First Strike Vigilance, and uh, Scouting Hawk unfortunately can only get basic planes but overall extremely comparable cards 
uh, the Hawk doesn't really see that much play on EDH reg. It's like in less than a thousand decks. So given that, I just don't think people are really picking up what the Space Marine Scout is putting down. <laughs> I, th- I, I think that like catch up ramp probably just needs to cost two mana for people to to give a crap about it because like you know would you are you super interested in like playing space marine scout when you could play like dark steel ingot or any of a million like three cost mana rocks instead that wouldn't you know that are able to produce mana immediately and potentially have some other benefits yeah i mean i I am more interested in this guy because it gets duels. So that for me is like, I'm probably going to try it just for that reason, but it is not. Hey, dark like, ceiling get taxed for a man of any color. Just that's, that's true. I mean, I, I like the deck thinning. I like the creature types like scouts are cool. We're going to, at some point we are going to get a scout commander, you know, like it's just, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, uh, there's something there's something there i i'm I'm a little low on this guy but we can we can move on to the next one yeah i am not high on that guy (laughs) i'm i'm definitely low on on him too i just i'm I'm gonna try him i'm gonna try him out (laughs) um so this next one is vexillus praetor this is the only custodes that we're going to get this set and custodes are the precursor to astartes warriors and uh they are uh like bigger, better, stronger in every way, but there's just not that many of them and they were very hard to make. So they just stopped making them. <laughs> um, as far as I know, someone, please, somebody uh, let me know <laughs> like if, if my lore is uh, correct or not. But um, this one in particular is a 3-4 Custodes Warrior for 4 mana. It costs 3 and a white. It has Flash, it has Vigilance, and it has Aegis of the Emperor. Uh, commanders you control have protection from everything um and that's kind of what they were used for they they protect the emperor they're supposed to be like the uh bulwark that keeps the emperor like alive and able to like be the emperor still like i don't know like they don't let anything in they're really good fighters that's what they're known for so that's where the flavor on this is is coming from what do you feel what do you think about (laughs) This guy. So I think the easiest point of comparison would be maybe like Bastion Protector. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bastion Protector is two and a white for a three, three commander creatures you control get plus two, plus two and have indestructible. And then that's in 14,000 decks on EDH rack. So uh, this is, you know, doesn't buff it, but wow, it certainly solves a lot of problems. Um, doesn't doesn't protect it from board wipes but spot removal uh negative auras everything just like bounces off or or falls off um worth noting that your own auras and equipment also fall off so i would not i don't think i would add this to a voltron deck no yeah but let me think like a non voltron deck that like really wants to protect its commander uh it does it makes a uh, hactos just completely impervious instead of mostly uh, impervious there we go yeah it finally funny. finally puts the uh the ankle in the yeah. fire <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, the other one I was thinking of is just like, uh, if you have like a white commander that is good for your game plan, but isn't like the main point. So like, um, dragon Lord Ojutai or even like a Brago, just, you can always get in there with Brago mm-hmm. basically. Um, so those are things I was thinking of. Um, I think, I don't know. It's like a cool piece of tech, you know, that's how I feel about it. All right. Uh, next card we have is Sister of Silence. This is four and a blue for a three-three human knight with flash. Uh, it has psychic abomination. When Sister of Silence enters the battlefield, counter target instant spell, sorcery spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. Um, so this is pretty interesting, potentially in um, in decks with like really good blink support. Like if you're able to uh, blink this with like a um, with like a Deadeye Navigator or a oh, what's the Eldrazi? Um, oh, the Displacer. Um, yeah, this. Dis- well, actually, Displacer Kitten works too. Um, but <laughs> it's just Eldrazi Displacer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was almost right. Okay, so yeah, lots of options for ways to just make this into like not a soft lock, but certainly pretty painful to deal with. Um. So I, it seems like a really neat tool. There aren't a ton of cards like this. It's pretty much just like draining Welk and the new Urtai. And that's kind of it. It's n- not a lot of like uh, ETB counter target spell creatures. So this does offer something new in that it also can mess with activated and triggered abilities. Mm-hmm. I, I've always liked these cards. There, there's a reason that like Venser uh, 1.0, the mono blue four mana one, has been like a staple for so long because you can just get to spots where you can basically soft lock somebody out of the game if your deck mm-hmm. is built around it. So this kind of does the same thing. Um, and and like Venser, it's not like they're not completely screwed. In this case, they can play creatures and whatever, but. Um, so, like, the Sisters of Silence have been around for forever, and they have this, like, gene complex called, like, the Null Complex or something, the Null Gene. So, just Psyker energy just, like, evaporates around them. Um, mm. And, like, no one was able to, like, isolate it. The Emperor was like, hey, we this these research, like, was terrible and, like, caused a bunch of problems and monsters and bad things to happen. So, we're not going to research them anymore. Um, but they are allowed to do whatever they want <laughs> as long as it's <laughs> hunt rogue psychers. And so that's what they do. So this is pretty cool. Um, other than that, yeah, I, I'm excited about this. Like you said, there's just not many things that do this. Um, do you want to get onto the next blue card? Yes. Uh, so this one is, um, I, I thought of it as being relevant in a very particular deck, but maybe you can think of some more broad uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's called Vanguard Suppressor. Three and a blue for a 3-2 creature, Astartes Warrior. It has squad two. So as an additional ca- cost to cast this spell, you can pay two any number of times. When it enters the battlefield, create that many tokens that are copies of it. It has flying, and it has suppressing fire. So when it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Uh, so I thought this was kind of interesting in that it made a token um, that you could, and, and like kind of a useful one that you could maybe feed into like a, like a Brutaclad deck. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was so going like, to say the exact same thing. Okay, yeah. So I'm glad we're on the same page here. Where yeah. You can turn all your, your treasure tokens or your clue tokens or whatever into 3-2 Ophidians. Um, which with seems, flying? Yeah. With geez. flying, with flying. Uh, more like, I guess, Thieving Magpie would be more appropriate point of comparison. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it could be useful in that sort of environment. I don't know if there's any other thoughts you had for it. No, that's basically... Um kind of where i was at with that too it was um other than that use case it's not very exciting perhaps in like some of the mutate builds because it's not a human uh, a chuckle chuckle um <laughs> and it has flying and it has like a useful ability so that's something um if you're proliferating like the or not proliferating if you're populating um maybe there's something there i don't really know what deck is doing that in blue right now um so yeah for me this is kind of like not a miss but just like i don't have anywhere to put this you know Mm -hmm. like brood cloud was the thing my brain immediately went to and maybe someday we'll get something else i'm happy to move on to the next card this next one's wild (laughs) yeah Uh, all right this is primaris eliminator four and a black for a three two creature a start as warrior when it enters the battlefield choose one Executioner round, destroy target creature, or hyperfrag round, creature's target player controls gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. Uh, so this is just like really flexible um, Chupacabra variant. Like the, I don't even know if the destroy target creature would be like the default. I think there's just a lot of metas where there's a lot of mana dorks or small utility creatures and just like having a slightly cheaper well okay it's no massacre worm because it only yeah. targets one player but the flexibility is just really nice the fact that like whenever the the infest mode is not good you can for sure kill something at least um so i think this is a, a pretty neat card yeah i i pretty much i'm not really going to add much more to this because that's a that's it <laughs> that's all there is to say about it it's it's really rad uh, again, they're just being so nice with these ETB abilities. Like another one that's not a cast trigger. It's just literally you can reanimate it. You can cheat it into play. It's going to do the thing. You can flicker it. Like mm, so good. Yeah, super flexible, really sweet. Uh, and gosh, this next card is another really neat one. Um, <laughs> so this is Sanguinary Priest. It is three and a black for a two four creature. A start as cleric. It has lifelink. Whenever another, and also uh, Blood Chalice, whenever another creature you control dies, Sanguinary Priest deals one damage to any target. So it's kind of, I mean, it's not quite a blood artist, but there's certainly a lot of similar cards these days. Um, And it's unique in that it's the only one that can actually like generate cards for you. Uh, You can actually like, it's any target, so you can pick off opposing creatures, but if you need it as a win con for, I don't know, your your Goonies loops or whatever, uh, it can hit players and, and provide that classic Blood Artist win condition. So this is just like a super cool card. Uh, do you, What do you think of it? I really love it. I love that it has lifelink and it's stealing damage. Like, that doesn't, like seem like much maybe to some people but you are going to be gaining a ton of life if you're actually doing the aristocrats thing and uh yeah just the ability to deal with the board 
while keeping to your main game plan like that's so cool mm-hmm. <laughs> like like not having to change what you're doing this card just slots right in gains you life and cleans things up which is also just going to give you more time to do what you want to do and it didn't they like i would have played this card without the lifelink on it you know so it's just so cool that they were uh again very generous in what they were giving us <laughs> with these <laughs> creatures so thank you uh definitely going to be playing sanguinary priest so mm-hmm. um rad and i we're in the multicolor cards now and we're almost done, <laughs> everybody this is crazy um can i read off this next one go for it uh very very simple this is exterminatus um it is a sorcery it costs seven mana costs five white black and it says non-land permanence your opponents control lose indestructible until end of turn and destroy all non-land permanence um so exterminatus is basically like the most severe command an inquisitor can like give in like the imperium and and it basically is just blow up the planet they're like "Mm, no exterminatus and that just means they'll just blow up your planet um so that's what this is (laughs) it just you can't um i do i love that you can't um heroic intervention or something through this I, i do like that about this card um but it is seven mana and you know like farewell exists and it's not like the most groundbreaking effect but it is cool that uh yeah i'd like to get it you know yeah i mean like planar cleansing exists and i think that the losing a destructible is mostly trinket text i mean maybe in your meta if you're um if your meta is running a lot of you know uh heroic interventions and flawless maneuvers and all those sweet little indestructible granners then okay then this is a pretty a decent answer to that um but i don't know how often it'll come up in in all metas um yeah and it is and is you know more expensive more narrow color identity i yeah. think you can probably skip this one yeah this is definitely not a new staple um it's kind of like fun for the ones who want it <laughs> i mm-hmm. guess this is what i would call this card because like it's absolutely splashy like that line of text is like like things lose indestructible is like pretty cool to see but if you think about it for even just a little bit longer you'll kind of go oh okay i'm i'm good i, I bought my farewells they're pretty cheap hmm. um yeah next do you want to get into the next card Yes, uh, next card is Sister Hospitaler. Hospi- Hospitaler? Hospit- mm-hmm. I think so. I think you're Sister right. Hospitaler. Uh, for white, black, for a 3-2 creature human cleric. She has Medicus Ministorum. When Sister Hospitaler enters the battlefield, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. You gain life equal to its mana cost. Uh, this seems like a busted card this is not the kind of card they like to print anymore because it just so easily combos with stuff um i mean i mean if you have any sack outlet and a karmic guide or a fiend hunter or an angel of glory's rise or a safi eric's daughter or a kikijiki or a (laughs) legrella the magpie or a body launderer or an abdel adrian or a yannick or a phantom steed or any changeling with champion, or an activated sleeper, or a body double, or a prowling geist catcher, or many, many other cards, uh, you get to go infinite. You get infinite of whatever your sack outlet is generating. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's that's that is what I'm gonna do with this card at least. And the fact that like you're gaining life off this too, like this card would have been totally fine and playable and cool if it just reanimated something. And then they're also like, why don't you gain life too, bud? So not only do I have infinite sack triggers, I also have infinite life now. Like, holy, <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> like, just wild. So did not expect this much love to like these ETB triggers again. Like just once again, you're going to hear me say that and like just wild, super strong. So yeah, the only, my only note is if it cost one less mana, then it could also loop infinitely with Phyrexian uh, Delver. But unfortunately you're, you do lose one life per loop on that interaction. Yeah, uh, I guess we can't have it all, you know. We yeah, just, just gotta have most. <laughs> that, that was the one note from play design on this is just add a mana to it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, mm, well, this one card actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so everything fun. else we're fine with. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so this is the next saga, or the last saga, I should say. Um, it's called Birth of the Imperium. So it is five mana, two white, blue, black. Chapter 1 is create a 2-2 white Astartes warrior creature token with vigilance for each opponent you have. Uh, Chapter 2 is each opponent sacrifices a creature. And Chapter 3 is draw two cards for each opponent who controls fewer creatures than you. Um, So the story that this is trying to say is basically like how the Emperor united the Imperium, uh, which was basically by force. He like shoved, he, he created the Astartes warriors, he shoved them onto planets and made them join or die basically and then reaped all of the profits basically colonized these planets and was like we're part of the empire now and they're like okay uh i guess you'll kill me if i say no so that's basically what's going on here um and this this is a pretty good card honestly i'm again it's like one of those like not like esper staple i don't think but you're getting like so much out of it you know yeah like potent i mean three guys potentially like three dead creatures for your opponents and then potentially six cards uh is i'd say getting towards a fair price for five mana (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, i I mean i sure do wish i could like skip ahead a little bit because the first mode is the least uh exciting but hey you know, it's it's still fine. And uh, mm-hmm. if we get like a better five color saga commander, then this is definitely one I would want to keep my eyes on. Yeah, I, I honestly don't even think like like the last two modes are pretty spicy, but I think like even just flickering this, like maybe like having it bounce between the first and second mode over and over again, like that's a ton of value, you know, mm-hmm. like so you can do a lot with this card if you're in the right deck again flickering all these etb triggers um cool stuff so yeah definitely another like juiced saga uh, for decks that really want that um yeah i love it yeah and the last uh colorful card we have the last multicolor card is deny the witch which is a uh it's the like saying of the like Inquisitors or like the the Grey Faxes band, which I can't remember the name of right now. 
but um, it's a four mana instant. Costs one white, blue, black. It says counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. Its controller loses life equal to the number of creatures you control. Um, so yeah, that's uh, do you think this is worth four mana? I'd say probably not unless your deck is desperate for stifle effects. Um, if your deck is trying to do something but like cheat the ca- some sort of terrible drawback on a card, then I would look into it. But uh, I don't love just like the paying this much mana. I think if it costs one less, it'd be, you know, sure, it's it's void slime mana. I'm happy with it. Um, but not for four. That's just like more mana than I want to hold up. That's like getting to the point where I could, I'm like maybe at parity with the amount of mana I'm paying for my answer versus their threat. Whereas I would ideally like to be paying less mana to answer my opponent's threats and then use the rest of my mana to advance my own plan. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. Like I, I love void slime. Um, and I've loved, uh, it's the one with Baral on it, the three mana blue one. Um, oh, disallow. Dis- yeah, disallow. Like I played disallow a lot and trolled some people with it, and it's fun. It's cool, but like anything more than that is like a lot unless you're gonna abuse it, like with Vencer or perhaps like the Sisters of Silence we talked about just a little bit ago. You know, so um, I can't really abuse this. Therefore, I'm not really willing to pay four mana for it mm-hmm. um and the lose life clause is like whatever you know that's like very trinkety yeah like okay yeah i might maybe there's games where it's like oh i dealt 10 whoa but like most of the time it's gonna be like one two zero yeah you know I'll, I'll say this uh disallow is in thirty thousand decks on edh rec so like the effect is I mean, certainly playable at three mana, but I think that is the yeah the um, limit. Yeah, yeah. I totally. Uh, yeah, I get that. I agree. I see that. Feel that. Uh, and I'm probably not going to play this card. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one of the uncommons in the deck. If that makes anyone feel better, so you're not. They didn't spend a rare slot on that. Um, <laughs> okay, so I guess this is the last one we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And and we did not talk about every card so if there's a card that we missed that you are like how could you miss that card if there's a card that you think is really cool uh, this is the point where you should start uh typing up your email like putting that at on twitter you mm-hmm. know let it let Sending us send your messenger pigeon exactly yeah yeah i do uh we just opened up the coop up top so mm-hmm. um we'll be able to tend to your your birds before we send them back so It'll be good. But uh, do you want to read off this this last one? Yes. Uh, this last card is the Golden Throne. It's four mana for a legendary artifact. It has arcane life support. If you would lose the game, instead exile the Golden Throne and your life total becomes one. It also has a thousand souls die every day. Tap, sacrifice a creature, add three mana in any combination of colors. Uh, so as far as like legendary four cost artifacts that add three mana from these pre-cons how would you rank this one (laughs) uh i would say that it ranks um uh below 
uh, one of the other ones that we talked about on this episode. Um, so that what is that second place <laughs> for for this? Uh, it's worse than the scepter, um, which I cannot. The name is is blanking on me right now. The scepter of eternal glory, mm-hmm. um, which is just a four mana artifact that just you play and it will do the thing, assuming you have three lands, which it, or three lands of the same name, which isn't too wild in a monocolor deck. Um, yeah. This one, you got to work a little harder. I, I don't hate it. I'm going to say that. Like, I think I'm probably higher on it than you are. It's just like a funny uh, sack outlet to me. And this, th- there's probably some bad draw scorpion combo with it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not good. I'm not going to call this a staple in any way, you know? Yeah, I I don't love it. Um, if I'm just trying to add lots of mana, then I'm gonna start with Thran Dynamo. If I'm monocolor, I'll play the Scepter. Otherwise, maybe I'll play. Well, if I'm like heavy in a certain color, I might play Nyx Lotus. Uh, I'd even probably just run Gilded Lotus before this. Like you know, trading cards for mana is not awesome because like presumably, unless you're playing a certain kind of deck, presumably like you invested mana into those cards to get them on the battlefield or to get into those creatures to get them on the battlefield. Um, so yeah, I don't, don't love this. The arcane life support to me is kind of trinket texty. Oh, I will absolutely. say that. Yeah, yeah. I will say that like, if you can, I, I mean, this is like just a silly combo at this point, but you could always like toss it on a prototype portal <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, give yourself a couple extra lives but that's that's not like realistic and it's also just like a two card combo that makes you harder to kill but not even impossible to kill Mm -hmm. instead of like a two card combo that will win you the game Mm -hmm. absolutely um this reminds me i had a DD character once whose entire point was like not dying Mm -hmm. um and he ended up dying because the last thing I was trying to do was get my like saves really high uh, because I died at like uh it was a Pathfinder character for anyone curious so it's just wild wild rules um so I died at like negative 600 and I normally had like 100 HP I was like level 15 or something like this um just with a bunch of loopholes and like caveats and things like that um so i'm like oh cool like everyone in the camp party keeps dying this character's never gonna die and then i just like rolled a bad con save (laughs) and (laughs) what was well what was the circumstance that like if you fail this con save you take 600 damage oh no it was just a save it was literally a save or die it was like oh this like uh demonic entity has like flashed the sigil um and if anyone below this much life like needs to make a save or whatever or die like anyone above this much life takes damage and below it they die and i was like well i'm technically at negative 100 right now so i guess i have to make this save <laughs> and uh yeah it did not did not go well for me whoops um so yeah this is kind of an example of that for me like just because you're shoring up your game plan against one form of attack and uh, dying from mm. life loss doesn't mean that there aren't other ways to like juke you commander damage is still going to kill you um poison is still going to kill you someone could just play a win the game card 
we just got arcades the, the well this is like any, yeah. any lose the game but yeah poison damage after this gets exiled will still yeah, there, yeah. There, there's a point where your prototype portal isn't going to be able to make a golden throne fast enough <laughs> to <laughs> save you with the poison or the the commander damage and stuff so mm-hmm. um but fun i mean like if that's something you want to do i'm not going to yuck your yum that seems pretty funny and i would actively encourage you to do this if i was sitting at a table with you but this is not something i'm going to try to do you know yeah so i'm on the same page yeah yeah and it is very funny so just for people who don't know this card pretty much sums up like the ridiculousness and like the grimness of 40k which is uh the, the golden throne is where the like lord emperor is sitting who is basically like the most powerful psyker who like existed and to keep him alive the arcane life support they sacrifice 1000 psychers a day to uh keep this one dude alive <laughs> And they're still getting like diminishing returns, right? Yeah, it is like slowly failing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's eventually he's just not gonna survive. <laughs> eventually, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna. They're either gonna have to up the psyker count or whatever. But like the Imperium is huge. Like the idea is that these are on like cosmic scales, right? Like these battles are massive and galaxy spanning. So like it's a chore, but it's like there's just so many resources that. Uh, they can do it but yeah definitely a grim <laughs> prospect <laughs> <laughs> like keeping uh, this one life alive every day for a thousand lives is uh definitely some pretty dark calculus you know mm-hmm. so yeah a good one to end on because uh that's kind of i guess do, do you have any final thoughts about uh these decks like the cards we've talked about um I would your vibe yeah well I I would just say like I am a little worried by the fact that like Wizards doesn't have plans lined up to reprint any of these cards like they kind of said oh we have the option to do magic versions of these cards but like nothing's in the pipeline unlike how they did say uh, the Stranger Things secret layer or the Street Fighter secret layer um and so that means like given how long it takes them to put things into place after making a decision like that's that means years so if any of these uh well if you like any of these cards if the the community as a whole gets really interested in any of these cards it's going to be a very long time before we see any kind of reprint relief for their prices yeah absolutely so there has been some talk there's been some some large uh large words thrown around uh about this being like a second reserve list um i'm still of the opinion that like double face cards are more on a reserve list even if they're in magic universe because mm-hmm. they still absolutely have not figured out how or when to reprint a lot of these like especially mdfcs Yes, um, but at least these have a regular magic back, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there's something, but, but it is also very concerning to me too, you know, like as much as I like the cards and I, I like this product way more than I thought, like I've always been casually into Warhammer, um, both the, like, what is it? Age of Sigmar? Is that the fantasy one? That, and then, yeah, it is. And then the, mm-hmm. uh, this one, the, the 40,000, but it's never been something that I've like had the time or 
money or energy to like really invest in and like play especially the tabletop with the figures and stuff um so it would be like video games and stuff like that maybe i've get some flavor i love orcs i'm hoping they said they were gonna do a secret layer i'm hoping it's orcs because like that's my that is my jam i i love Mm -hmm. them so much yeah i ended up liking this a lot so i'm just hoping that like for people that come after us, like I'm, I'm going to be able to buy these decks, you know, like that's just like the truth of the situation. I'm an adult. I have a job. I can purchase this if I plan accordingly. Right. But, uh, someone who's starting two years from now, who didn't know that this was happening, are they going to have to spend like 40 bucks on a scepter of eternal glory or whatever that was, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like if I really want, um, I don't know, like a resurrection orb, like just, is it going to be like a $20 card because they're never going to reprint it again? Like that's, that's pretty wild to me. Right. Like, so I I am hoping we figure out some way to make this happen. (laughs) Yes. Uh, in, in the meantime, I'm just going to try to stock up on the staples I need. And, uh, no, I guess that is the benefit of listening to a set review like this one is we're, trying to predict which ones are going to be the most generally useful in commander. And hopefully that can be a little bit of a buying guide for you. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to say about this deck or these decks is it gives a little bit of a hint of, as to what future secret or not secret, what future universes beyond might look like. So in previous uh, like secret layer universes beyond we've seen like they, they kind of get like nitty gritty with individual card designs. They are a little bit complex. Um, but just kind of figuring that like they'll, you, you know, they want to match the flavor perfectly. But when they're printing 160 cards, they can't all be super dense and complicated. Uh, they have to make a functional product that isn't going to like blow the mind of these likely new players who are coming to the game through. Uh, their love for Warhammer. So as a result, like, you know, we mentioned they seem to focus a lot on simple designs, uh, a lot of like ETB creatures that as soon as they hit the battlefield and do their thing, they're just like vanilla guys and you don't have to think about them anymore. Um, So I I would expect that like when we revisit a universes beyond uh, commander product, like the Doctor Who decks that got announced a couple months ago, uh, it's probably going to be something similar. Like they're going to aim towards very simple board states and they're probably going to lean on ETB creatures again, uh, assuming, you know, there aren't, assuming like the playtesters don't really yuck the way yeah. these <laughs> Warhammer decks turn out. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but, but that would be my expectation. So, you know, even if we don't see a ton of strong ETB creatures printed in like, standard sets anymore that i would keep an eye out on the next um set of universes beyond precons because i think we're gonna see more stuff in this space yeah no i definitely think so and honestly i'm i am happy with this design principle like this is something i've been saying for regular precons for a long time like if a precon is going to be someone's starting point like give it to them at a level where they can play with their friends and like maybe win or like not be embarrassed, you know, like 
the original precons obviously had problems there there's like four fours for four and stuff like that and um mm-hmm. they were just vanilla or whatever like n- th- that's embarrassing but that was a way different time right like no one in wizards like really knew what commander was like for those of us who were playing and uh, it kind of took a long time <laughs> to proliferate <laughs> that knowledge and get like the idea of like what a deck should look like and value and blah 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 that stuff but like these warhammer decks like if you buy like let's say you're I am a Warhammer player and I but I play Tyranids and so I buy the Tyranid deck. I can just sit down with my friends and start playing. And not only that, like there's gonna be staples in my deck that are worth money that I can trade for eventually if I want. And like that's just what these commander decks should be. And people I'm not the first person or the last person to say this, but like it's good when there is value in these decks because it gets people to buy them. But also for new players, like if a new player opens a card and that card ends up being $30, like then they can continue their collection. They can trade it off to buy more things they want. They can have it forever and be like, oh yeah, that was my first deck. Like that's kind of the point of these collectible games. And if these are going to be starting points for people, like I'm really glad that Warhammer players who buy these as their first maybe commander deck will have like a really cool out of the box experience like that that's what i want these decks to be so it's really cool to see that here it's really cool to see them like really really push the flavor too so like lucius that we talked about like however long like two hours ago or whatever <laughs> um like super cool the flavor's awesome really love that card and so someone's gonna get the deck look at lucius and be like this is my favorite piece this is one of my favorite characters and he does what i want him to do and be happy with it so I'm really just hoping future products like this continue on this vein. Um, it really doesn't take a lot to make a cool card. Like, look at the Sisters of Silence. Like, look at Magnus the Red, right? Like, there's a ton of cards here that... Uh, or even, like, the Great Unclean one. Like, not a crazy powerhouse that's going to, like, throw the format off. But, like, definitely a card you can build around. Definitely a card that does something cool for you. Um, and that will be fun to play with. So yeah, if they just get the reprint thing done, then these will be perfect. But for now, just pick them up if you can. And, um, and I do want to throw in one last, one last thought about the FOMO and the prices and stuff. Uh, these are going to be available anywhere that you can buy commander decks normally. So, um, there's a lot of, of, scrambling right now like as this episode is releasing like prices have probably gone up especially on like the necron deck um look at like your local target walmart big box store uh look online if you want them and you're patient you'll probably be able to get them they're not just doing one print run um they're gonna print them till people don't want to buy them anymore so if you can't get them immediately don't worry don't try don't pay like inflated prices if you don't have to um like support your local game store absolutely but if your local game store ends up selling the necron list the non-collector's edition necron list for like 60 70 80 dollars then you have options so please do not feel like you have to buy into the hype right now like let's be a little level-headed about it definitely pick up the cards you want but um maybe don't don't uh, buy like three or four Necron lists while it's inflated, you know? Yeah. Uh, you will be able to get this at Target, so don't worry too much. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, one more thing I want to say, like I, I hope that these sell well, uh, you know, 
not only because it, it means that maybe more Warhammer fans are coming into the game, but I also hope that one of that these sell well and that uh, Wizards take that takes this to mean that they can push a little bit further in this kind of tonal direction. Um, so like these decks uh, are, I, I mean, they represent the grim darkness of the far future. And uh, I, they, in discussing this deck and like this product, they talked a bit about how this is generally further than they're normally willing to go in magic in terms of like how violent it is, how gory it is. Um, and I hope that they, I hope it does well and that they take this to mean that there is an audience for a darker tone within magic. Um, maybe not every set, but certainly like it's better if the pendulum can swing further so that more, there are more play players who know like, okay, you know, this soft, uh, Lorwyn type flavor isn't my thing, but eventually I will get my turn, and that's why I remain invested in magic. Um, so I hope that well, I just hope this product does well. Um, I hope all of our listeners are able to get a hold of the singles they need at reasonable prices before any kind of inflation starts happening. And uh, don't forget that you can use our affiliate link to do so. Get them at TCG Player. But with that, I think that's everything I wanted to say about these decks. Any last thoughts? Uh, they rule. I like them way more than I thought. And uh, I'm really excited to jam some games with everybody. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's it. I'm, I'm good. I'll see you guys around. Yes. Uh, last thing. I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. Woo. They are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Fugarudel, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Mifflin, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, and Carrie. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. It is Zach. And I know this was an incredibly long episode, <laughs> but I wanted to say sorry for getting it out a little bit late and just give you the lowdown on kind of the next uh, few weeks. So um, we are in the middle of infinity spoilers. We are going to do a, uh, we're going to split it up this way. We're going to do legendary creatures. The first half of the episode is going to be the non-acorn black border legendary creatures. The second half is going to be silver bordered. So if you do not care about the silver bordered creatures, then you can just go on and skip it. So there you go. Pretty easy. Um, the uh, other episode we're going to do is uh, main deck cards and I don't think we're going to talk about any of the silver border ones. I'm sorry. So if, if that was something you were looking forward to, um, sorry, <laughs> like just, just not, we don't mean any, any harm or anything by it. So, um, other than that, um, this next week, as we're waiting for these spoilers to finish so we can just record just two episodes, keep the feed as like less cluttered as possible. 
we are going to just do a rerun. Um, these have been killing me, <laughs> me and Nick. Yeah, so these have been killing us, so we are going to be taking the week off, uh, waiting for Infinity, and then we will have some some cool stuff planned for everyone as we kind of coast into the rest of the year. We're probably going to get a a secret layer at some point soon. And other than that, um, yeah, we get to just kind of do what we want again. And we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming, which feels more and more and more like set reviews <laughs> these days. So, uh, yep. Hope you enjoyed these. Hope you enjoyed this episode in particular. Uh, I did not expect to enjoy this as much as I did. Honestly, I, I really did like the Warhammer deck. So that's it. I've been talking too long. I'll talk to you all later. Hope you all have a uh, great week this week. Sorry for the delay, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Commander Theory. And on Twitter, I am at Fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. 